Blog Talk Radio. Kingway, Spock's beard, Locker's acting very weird. Captain Pike, Cisco's wife, Klingons and the afterlife. Boimler, Tendi's dog, Ransom is very hot. Four drive, Black Alert, Giorgio has gone berserk. Teacher, bad left, Edward is an idiot, Spock is dead, Wolf is wed, Chekhov's wearing red. Data's cat, Kempak's cat, you has had enough of that. Beam me up, make it so, everybody let's go. We are about to You can join us live by picking up your phone now. We talk about the series. Well, good evening, Trekkies and Trekkers around the globe. With that awesome song, that means it's time for Trek Talk, and it's Thursday night. We are live. We will be live for the next two hours. Our phone number here is 646-668-2433. And we have got a great show planned for you guys tonight, and we'd love to hear from you. Give us a call at 646-668-2433 and join in the conversation. This is episode 399, believe it or not. And we have a last of our Star Trek Double Features for a little while anyways. We're going to be talking about Star Trek Discovery Season 4 finale, Homecoming, followed up by Star Trek Picard's Assimilation. But wait, there's more. We actually have some Star Trek news this week. Kirk meets Kirk, Trek Back to the Future, and Star Trek The Motion Picture 4K, convention calendar, Star Trek birthdays, fan shout-outs, and so much more. You don't want to miss this show, guys. Resistance is futile. Before I get too blown away, I just want to say thank you to everybody who's listening, and I hope that Ray in the Bronx uh, is doing well with his surgery, so I hope everything goes well, Ray. I want to introduce to you guys my wonderful truck experts. We'll start off with Charles. Charles is out in Las Vegas. How are you doing tonight, Charles? I'm doing good, but I'm not quite sure. I'm ready for the weather we're hitting. Uh, we're about 84 today, high 80s tomorrow. We're looking for a couple of days in the 90s before we drop back in the 70s. Way too hot for March. Wow. Yeah. We're, wow, wow. Jim just put, it, Jim just put his tauntauns away. <laughs> That's the way Mother Nature is. And we also have with us, as usual, Eric. Eric is out in Portland. How are you doing tonight, Eric? Oh, man, I am having a fantastic week. It is spring break here in Oregon, and so I've been on vacation all week out here in lovely Sun River, Oregon, in the high desert, uh, enjoying some nice weather out here. We're in the 70s, and it's been uh, pretty much bright and sunny every single day I've been here. So super great day, and looking forward to talking about these awesome shows in this double feature this week. Oh, we've got a lot. We've got a lot to talk about. Uh, we we have 102,925 downloads of our podcast as of right now. Um, wow. Thank you so much, guys. Um, we're, we're averaging around 3,000 downloads per week. So that's just thank you. 
Thank you so Pretty much. Good rate. Can't thank Pretty you guys good enough. rate. That's, we we could not do it without you guys, man. That's no, unbelievable. No. Yeah. So that's really cool. And uh, you guys can head on over to Facebook at Truck Talking and Beyond. You have to spell that out, A-N-D, Beyond. And we have 89,545 followers over there as well. You guys can hold over a Facebook page. You'll see the Live Long and Prosper at the top of the page uh, pinned up there. All you need to do is go there and tell us where you're listening from. Each week, yours truly, Uncle Jim, will pick 15 lucky listeners. If you see a heart next to your name from yours truly, you want to tune into the show because you're going to be featured on a fan shout out, which brings me to Eric. Eric, who do we want to give a fan shout out to this week? Well, I think we have a brand new location this week. Our first fan shout out goes out to Manuel Dedengi, uh, who contacted us all the way from La Gomera in the Canary Islands, you guys. That is off the coast of Morocco in the Atlantic Ocean. So I do not believe we've had anybody from the Canary Islands before. So Manuel, wow. Thanks for being number one, and thanks for supporting us from that little tiny island way over there. <laughs> we really, really appreciate it. Uh, we're also saying hello this week to Ra Venmust Robert from Jakarta in Indonesia. Lots of support for the podcast over there in Indonesia. So thank you very much for listening to us. We're also saying hello to Frank DeRoos calling in from the Netherlands or contacting us from the Netherlands. We've got lots of support in the Netherlands as well right there in the Netherlands. Yes, Frank, thank you so much for listening. Michelle Kellett is contacting us all the way from Black Rod in the region of Bolton in England. Now, I looked up Black Rod because I hadn't heard of it before, and it is a little town of about 5,000 people in England. So, Michelle, thank you for carrying that Trek Talking Torch to your little town way over there in the U.K. We really appreciate it. My final, final fan shout-out this week goes out to Helena Kushina from Portugal, who gives us a little Portuguese flag and a little live long and prosper icon. So thank you all to my five uh, fans who uh, were saying hello to this week. And Charles, who would you like to say hello to? Let's start off with Kathleen Corcoran from Illinois. I got my dad from Illinois, and I spent time at Great Mistakes, Illinois. If you live around there, you understand why it's called Great Mistakes. Wash Galvin from Buenos Aires, Argentina. One of our South American fans. Leslie Vincent from Ohio. Rose Rabak from Pennsylvania. And Sylvette Perez from Alaska. And give me a lot of U.S. people. So, Jim, I bet he found somebody from New York. Oh, I always do, if possible. So we'd like to say uh, thank you and kapla to Anna Marie Collins Zambrano from Long Island, New York. Mm-hmm. Notice I said Long Island and not Long Island. There is a difference for those of you who know. So thank you for listening to us, Anna Marie. We'd also like to say thank you to Lisa Cattell from Maine, the home of uh, Stephen King. You notice most of his movies and stories take place in Maine, which is pretty cool. We'd like to say thank you to Andre Bombay from South Africa. We'd like to say thank you to Francisco Nowak from Berlin, Germany. And last, but definitely not least, we'd like to say thank you to Charles Onaj Lucas 
from Flushing, Queens, New York, the home of the New York Mets. I've been there many, many times to Shea Stadium. Uh, I miss Big Shea, and hopefully City Field will bring us some honor one of these days. <laughs> so thank you to each and every one of you guys for listening. We really appreciate it. We could never do the show without you guys. We are not having a fireside chat this week, so our wine spot is going to be skipped. So Greg Spurrier will be with us next week, and Eric and Nepal will be back with an all-new and final fireside chat next week. But we are not done yet. We still have our review of Star Trek Discovery Season 4 finale coming home and Star Trek Picard Assimilation. Don't touch that dial. Trek Talking. All things Star Trek and beyond. Thursday night, 7.30 to 9.30, all hailing frequencies are open. iTunes, iHeart, Stitcher, Spotify, Amazon, and wherever fine podcasts are found. Trek Talking. Boldly going wherever your mind is willing to go. Okay, and we're back, and this is the part of the show where we do our Star Trek birthdays. And we always start off our Star Trek birthdays remembering those members of our Star Trek family who are no longer with us. But first, we have to hear from Worf. Klingon song. No, that's not, but that's why we love it, Worf. Eric, who are we remembering tonight? Well, our very first remembrance this week goes out to actor Hagen Beggs, who, of course, played Lieutenant Hansen uh, in three episodes of the original series. Uh, he was in Court Martial, and he was in The Menagerie, parts one and two. Uh, Hagen Beggs was also a pretty famous uh, Canadian actor. He uh, he was perhaps best known for his recurring role as Dr. George Dunbar uh, in the 1980s Canadian television series Danger Bay. Uh, and curiously, he actually also appeared in 1996's movie Titanic. So uh, next time you watch Titanic, uh, see if you can find Lieutenant Hansen uh, in the crowd. Hagen Beggs would have had a birthday this week. Is he a red shirt? Uh, no, he is a yeah, in, in Titanic. Yeah, maybe. Isn't everybody? <laughs> it's for those two. Uh, our next remembrance this week is going out to actor Tige Andrews, who, of course, uh, was one of the first Klingons we got to see. He played Cross in TOS's episode Friday's Child. Um, and, you know, he actually was born Tiger Andrews uh, from a Syrian immigrant family. Uh, I thought it was kind of interesting that he was actually named Tiger because it's a Syrian custom to name your child after a strong animal to ensure good health throughout life. So uh, T. Gay Andrews would have had a birthday this week as well. And well, he, he re- was a very, he was a weaselly kind of Klingon, wasn't he? <laughs> he was. Well, and the thing is, is I, I kind of put him as a Klingon in more of that, that sort of, um, yeah, the, the pirate Klingon, not the honorable Klingon. Uh, kid, yeah. You know? yeah. Yeah, exactly. He was, he was the not your typical Klingon. 
No, no, not not what we've come to know and love as Klingons. But you know, the TOS Klingons were still sort of getting flushed out at that time. So uh, true. So TJ Andrews uh, Cross from Friday's Child would have had a birthday this week. We're also saying happy birthday this week uh, to Kermit Murdoch, uh, who played the Sarpedian uh, prosecutor in TOS's episode All Our Yesterdays. Um, he, uh, the curious fact I learned about him was that he actually made his film debut in 67 in Heat of the Night, and then the last movie he was in was 1971's Andromeda Strain. So not a lot of movie credits, but man, those are a couple heavy hitters right there. So Kermit Murdoch would have had a birthday this week as well. We're also saying happy birthday to Richard Carlyle, who played Lieutenant Carl Yeager in TOS's episode, The Squire of Gothos, perhaps our first look at a Q uh, or a Q-adjacent race. Uh, he uh, was also a pretty famous actor who was all over the place, but kind of the, some of the cool things about him, uh, he actually co-starred with DeForest Kelly 17 years before they were on Star Trek together uh, in a, the first episode of the show Studio One in 1950. And then later, he actually would be able to act with Leonard Nimoy prior to their time on Star Trek as well in the Western series 26 Men in 1959. So, uh, so happy birthday to Richard Carlyle, uh, who would have had a birthday this week as well. We're also saying happy birthday to Karen Steele who, of course, played Eve in TOS's episode, Mud's Women, uh, got to play a, a very nice-looking version of herself and then a very old and decrepit version of herself as well. <laughs> uh, somebody who you absolutely would recognize from the TOS days. So Karen Steele would have had a birthday this week. Happy birthday to her. And our final remembrance this week goes out to actor Logan Ramsey who played Claudius Marcus in TOS's episode, Bread and Circuses, another super famous episode. Uh, you know, he is actually, Logan Ramsey is actually a junior. And an interesting fact about him, his, uh, his father, I hate to go just right to his father. I mean, he was a great actor in and of himself, but his father was really famous. Uh, he was actually the naval officer who became famous in radio history after sending the message, Air Raid Pearl Harbor, there, this is no drill. Uh, when the attack on Pearl Harbor happens. So his voice uh, is definitely in the history books. His father's voice is in the history books. And uh, Logan Ramsey, of course, would go on to have uh, his own uh, great acting career later on. Uh, Bread and Circus is being part of that. So happy birthday to Logan Ramsey. Charles, who are we celebrating with uh, this week? Who is still with us? Well, let's start off with Connie Lamani. He played Kara in TOS's The Wolf in the Fold. Yeah. Magori Monahan played Freya in Voice Hero and Demon. Cameron Thor played Narek in TNG's Gamut Parts 1 and 2. So good. Sabrina, go ahead. Oh, I just said so good. I love those episodes. I love Gambit Part 1 and 2, personally. Sabrina LaBeouf play Ensign Justini in TNG is also Gambit Part 1 and 2. Vanessa Williams played Arandis in DS9's let he who is without sin. 
And then Jim gave me three biggies. Connor Turnier, who played Charles Trip Tucker the third in Enterprise. <clears throat> and this next one, who I have seen in person on stage, birthday kind of gets kind of perfect because we've been talking nonstop about him. Especially his change in makeup. But a big happy birthday and snap of the fingers to John Delancey, better known as Hugh. TNG, DS9, Voyager, Lower Decks, and Picard. And then we got the big one. And you know what? I got to tell you a story. Got to tell you a story, Charles. It's story time. Right. <laughs> Uncle Jim and his long in the tooth with his story. Yeah. So here comes the story. Get around. Get around. <laughs> so here we go. Here's the story. So um, at one of his first conventions early, early in the 80s, I mean early and TNG, like yeah. right after Tasha Yar died, it was it was still first season, and we drove up the staircase to New York to see John Delancey. He happened to be there with William Campbell, the Squire of Gothos. At that convention, um, John Delancey told us that he always thought that William Campbell was might have been his son, like a junior Q, which was pretty cool. We just talked about that, but the funny thing is, somebody in the audience asked him. Do you plan on bringing Tasha Yar back? To which John Delancey immediately replied, only if I can keep her for myself. And I just thought, I just lost it. It was so yeah, funny. That's, um, that's, that's he's, John Delancey. He is so cute when you meet him. It's like talking yeah. to Q. Um, he was great. So anyways, that's my John Delancey oh. story. <laughs> well, I, I remember one of the panels I remember was Q and Q2 together on stage. Oh, they made a fun pair. But my last yeah. birthday made a mistake. I didn't say it right. The third captain of the USS Enterprise and 1701 and 1701A. A big happy birthday to William Satner. Nice absolutely. <laughs> I like From the pause there. That was nice, Charles. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Well done. Happy birthday. William Shatner. <laughs> <laughs> Who's what? Been on tech lost and legal. Uh, let's let's do my William Shatner attempt. Yeah, William Shatner. We haven't had any Shatner says what lately. Yeah, that's true. We need to re- no. we need to reboot that segment. He's well, he's been quiet lately. We, you know, he went into space and he just got so like in awe of the space thing that he just decided to stop saying Shatnerisms. Well, I thought we had a Shatner says what story today, but after I read it, it turned out not to be a Shatner says what. So. I thought I found one, but didn't. So, well, now I will do my birthdays for the show. Okay. So, first we'd like to say happy birthday to Robert Schenken, who played Lieutenant Commander Remick in TNG's Homecoming and Conspiracy, the guy we love to hate. And um, 
conspiracy. I remember when that one aired, when when Riker and Picard disintegrate Remick. Yeah. Everybody was up in arms because it was so violent, oh. and they blew his head off, and the alien queen comes out, and they killed her, and why didn't they try to make first contact, and it's not very Star Trek-y, and yada, yada, yada. I like the episode anyways, and I like how they left an open ending. We still don't know to this day where those creatures came from, and are they still out there because they never followed the signal. So right. pretty good pretty good episode. We'd also like to say happy birthday to Leslie Parrish, who played Lieutenant Carolyn Palamas on TOS's Who Mourns for Adonis. Good episode. Very good episode. Uh, happy birthday to Brad Doris, who played Lon Suter in Boy. Ooh. Also, also... <laughs> If you're a horror, and this guy has been on everything. He, he has. The X-Files, he really he, uh, um, um, Lord of the Rings. You you would know him if you see him. And he usually plays a little Weasley kind of guy. Um, but horror fans, I think the biggest um, genre or franchise is Chucky. He is the voice of Chucky in all of the seven Chucky movies. I think mm-hmm. there's seven of them. Mm-hmm. And he does the voice of Chucky in all of them. And to tie that back into Star Trek, of course, Jillian um, um, Taylor um, is in the first Chucky movie. And, of course, she was in Star Trek Four. But, uh, but, like say- but, Jim, uh, that's not it. I mean, this guy, when we say he's all over the place, we mean he is all over the place. There's another super iconic science fiction movie that he plays a major part in. He plays Peter DeVry in uh, the original Dune movie. I'm telling you, if you look this guy up on the internet, he's literally, when I say everywhere, I mean it. I mean, he he pops up all over the place. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. He was on, I remember when I saw him on agents of shield, I was like, Hey, that's the guy from Dune. (laughs) Yeah. He's all over the place. He's everywhere. So happy birthday. We'd also like to say happy birthday to Vanessa Branch, who played Naomi Wildman, the adult version, in Voice episode Shattered, which I had never seen, so I had to watch it last night just to see what it was all about. Not a bad episode. That was one of those episodes I couldn't watch because we didn't have a Paramount, United Paramount Network when I moved up here to Vermont, so I had to watch it. Not a bad episode. We'd also like to say happy birthday to Brian Brophy, who played the original Bruce Maddox in one of what I think is one of the best TNG episodes, Measure of a Man, which is great because it ties into Picard being a synth on Picard now, which is pretty cool. We'd also like to say happy birthday to Abby Bramall, who played Persis in Enterprises, Borderland, Cold Station 12, and The Augments. Pretty cool character. We'd also like to say happy birthday to Anthony DeLongis, who played First Maj Kula in Voy. Um, five episodes, I believe. Um, but, but I got to say, I never, never liked them at all. I just thought they looked like Klingons having, yes, they were Klingons with a bad hair day. I just didn't like them, but, but I had to tell you guys some of the other great, great, great things that this guy did besides playing a Kazon. Okay. He played Ketchum in Logan's Run, the TV series, one of my favorites. He played Taba, the Nomad Warrior, in Battlestar Galactica, 
which I'm sure everybody remembers, the big hairy dudes with the glowing oh, sure. spheres. Yep, that was him. Uh, the original Battlestar Galactica, 1979. Uh, he also played Galen in the V series on television. He was a, a visitor. Mm-hmm. Um, but he was in a movie that I have a super soft spot for, Super Camp. But, God, I love it. Um, he was in this movie with um, Robert Duncan McNeil, who would, of course, be on Voyager. And... Uh, and um, uh, uh, Cox, what's her? Oh, I can't remember her name now. From uh, Friends, what's her name? Christine oh, Courtney. Cox, Courtney. Courtney Cox, and of course the the Russian dude from Rocky Four, um, Dolph Lundgren. And of course, I'm talking about Masters of the Universe, the 1987 live version, which I love to death. He played one of the bounty hunters, Blade, in that movie. And Jim, so, he he has he's another one of those guys who you look at his list and it's all over the place. Two places I know him from was he was on Babylon Five, and he was also in that Highlander TV series. I don't know if you guys ever watched that, but it was such a good series. No, I think I missed that one. I don't remember that. Yeah, one. it was if you if you like the movie, the original movie, the Highlander TV series follows one of his relatives who's also a Highlander, and it was it was just great. Well, he's. He's been in a lot of stuff besides Star Trek, and I just wanted to take an opportunity to point out some of my favorites that I saw in his list of credits. So, And here's a big one. Here's a really, yeah. you know, black licorice and a sweet and sour <laughs> soup to everybody. Um, of course, Tig Notaro, our very own Jet Reno from Discovery. I love her. She has some great lines in the episode that we're going to talk about tonight. And uh, she yeah. almost steals every scene that she is in, um, as limited as she is. But they always make the best of her when they can get her. So happy birthday to Tig Notaro. And speaking of Discovery, um, the captain of the USS Discovery, Sonequa Martin-Green, Captain Michael Burnham herself, is celebrating a birthday this week. Happy birthday to Sonequa Martin-Green. Great job as Captain Berman. Great job on uh, The Walking Dead as well. I'll never forget watching. I used to watch The Walking Dead. I stopped watching The Walking Dead after Negan bashed in Glenn's head and the eyeball was popping out and swinging around. I just felt that was just a little bit too uh, gory and violent for my taste. And I I just lost interest after that point. But she was on the show. And uh, before she came on Discovery, when they hired her, they had to write her out of The Walking Dead. So what they did was um, they put her in a coffin and poisoned her. And so she died. So when they opened up the coffin, she comes out as a zombie and, you know, infects everybody. And that's how she left the show. Well, when I watched The Walking Dead, Talking Dead, which is our their version of The Ready Room, they had her on talking about how she filmed her scenes and whatnot. And then she said that she was excited to be joining the Star Trek family. And she gave everybody the live long and prosper um, sign on the walking dead, which I thought was so cool. And at that point I was like, wow, I really like her. She's, she's energetic. She's really excited about being on Star Trek. And I can't wait to see what she does with it. And I can't say I'm disappointed. She's just knocked it out of the park. As mm-hmm. Captain Burnham. Well, so happy birthday to Sneaker Martin Green. Well, the thing is, 
especially when you see the panel. You see how much the crew loves her. She is a natural leader for the crew of motivating the crew. There are times where there are scenes she's not in, but she's got to sit there. She's got to be there to pump up other cast members. When a cast mm-hmm. member is done for the season, she's leading up the goodbye party for that session. She's going to be right there leading everybody, and you can tell from the panel how much everybody loves her, how much energy she's got for that show. Yep. She really yeah. has made that crew one big happy family. I love her a lot, and I'm, I'm, I feel fortunate that we have her. Well, she's, on Star she's Trek. Re, I mean, it's part of it's the writing, but obviously a huge part of it is the acting. She has reinvented what a Starfleet captain is in this show. And I just like anybody who is able to do that and still carry the torch. I'm just like, wow, you've got chops, girl. You've got mad chops. Yeah. And, and we're going to talk about her chops later on in the show. So happy birthday to Sneeko Martin yeah. Green. And, um, the big one, one of the big ones, I think, uh, we want to say happy birthday to the maestro of makeup, the guru <laughs> of, of aliens, the man, the myth, the legend himself, Michael Westmore. Now, he created Worf. He created Data. He, I mean, the Ferengi, uh, the Borg. Uh, this guy had his hands on everything Star Trek, yeah. uh, you know, after TOS, obviously. we're talking Enterprise, Nemesis, Voyager, Deep Space Nine, Insurrection, like all over the place. Yep, Discovery he is Discovery yep. Next Gen. I mean, he was not only that, but you look at his other creds, and you've got things like MacGyver, and you know, Jim was talking about his love of that 1987 Masters of the Universe movie. He was on that too. Yeah, he's he's been on everything, and his 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 daughter does face off on the sci-fi mm-hmm. channel. Um, and sometimes he comes on and makes an appearance on there. And uh, Michael Westmore, if it wasn't for Michael Westmore, we wouldn't have Klingons. We wouldn't have Borg, uh, Romulans, the whole nine yards. So he's very uh, influential in the world of Star Trek. And he's, he's molded a lot of what we consider to be Star Trek. So happy birthday to Michael Westmore. Well, I would, I would love, I would love to read his book one day. He's got a book, Makeup Man, from Rocky to Star Trek, the amazing creation of Hollywood's Michael Westmore. Oh, wow. That sounds really, really. Yeah, yeah, that sounds It talks super... about all the work he's done in Hollywood. He talks and you about know... it on a panel and just, oh, wow, the stuff he gets done. Yeah, and if you he, go back a, in time, like he, he's been around forever, guys. He's literally been in the industry since the early 60s. Like he was a makeup artist in 69 episodes of The Munsters, which was one of my favorite shows as a kid, personally. Wow. <laughs> yeah. So happy birthday to Michael Westmore. Now, we've had some big ones tonight, guys. I got to admit, we've, we've had the cream of the crop, the top of the top. Uh, in tonight's birthdays, but 
I always do the Klingons, and I always do them last. And even though we've had some really big birthdays and some really great characters, I really think that this one, this one in particular, is a really big one. Um, And this guy is one of only five actors to play seven or more characters on Star Trek, a various Star Trek series, which is impressive in and of itself. He's right up there with Jeffrey Combs. Uh, which is really, really cool. Um, He's just, he's done it all. And I think the one character, though, that he's most known for is General Martok on Deep Space Nine. And, of course, I'm talking about the one, the only, J.G. Hertzler. And I got to tell you, I met him at a convention here in Saratoga, and he was just the coolest dude, I, I mean, If you had a chance to meet him, you definitely got to meet him because he's down to earth. He's friendly. He's cordial. He'll shake your hand. He'll take a picture. He'll talk to you. He'll tell you anything you want to know. He's not stuck on himself at all. He's not a money monger where pay me for this, pay me for that. I mean, he's really cool, very reasonable. And I went up to him and I asked him, I said, so on Star Trek, when you sing, when you do all these Klingon lines, do you actually have to, do them in Klingon or how do they do that? And he told me all about, you know, how they do it. And he says, well, he says, uh, here's a little Klingon song for you. And he actually did the Klingon war song that he sings with Worf on uh, Deep Space Nine. And I whipped out my phone and I, I videotaped it. And here it is, General Martok singing the warrior song from Deep Space Nine. Okay, now we're going. This is the Klingon Warriors Anthem. I played the General Martok on Deep Space Nine. And this is how it goes. Oi, Kalef, Ubron. Oi, Pushpe, Ubron. Yakba, Makba, Jeju, Se, Makju, Me, was that not cool or what? That is amazing. I love that every single time you play that, Jim. I was just like so amazed. <laughs> I have, I have to dig into my collection somewhere. He actually did the two Klingons together got together and actually did it in, on a panel on stage. I think I have it somewhere. I need to find it. I know. Um, I, I think Charles. I think you were with me. Entire, were you with me? Room of people and doing that. Charles, were you with me on the show? I don't think Eric had joined us yet, but yes. were you yeah, with me on the show when we had uh, him and Garon and they hijacked the whole show? Yeah, we couldn't get in the word in edgewise between those two. I have to tell you those... that that show, you guys, was one of the things that got me really, really interested in this podcast because I heard those guys and I was like, wow, this is so cool. Yeah, they, they took over the whole show. I mean, you couldn't say anything. They just... The two of them just, just off they went. Okay. <laughs> so, it was cool. It was really cool. 
So listen, guys, we are not done yet. We have so much more to talk about. Our phone number here is 646-668-2433. Give us a call. We'll get you on the air. We've got a couple of callers on the line right now. We're going to get to right after this very short yet very important commercial break. Trek Talking, all things Star Trek and beyond. Thursday night, 7.30 to 9.30, all hailing frequencies are open. iTunes, iHeart, Stitcher, Spotify, Amazon, and wherever fine podcasts are found. Trek Talking, boldly going wherever your mind is willing to go. And we're back, and uh, we're going to be doing our convention calendar, but first, let's see who we have on the line. Maybe. Come on. You can do it. You can do it. There we go. Hey, good evening. Thank you for calling Trick Talk, and what's your name, and where are you calling us from tonight? Hey, my name is Dave. I'm calling from Portland. Hey, David. What's up, buddy? Uh, Hi, guys. (laughs) <laughs> you enjoying the show so far? <clears throat> yeah. Hey, David, what's the weather like in Portland right now? What's the weather like in Portland right now? I'm out here in Sun River. It's uh, it's really sunny. Nice. It's actually pretty warm in my apartment. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's cool. That's cool. We also have we have another caller on the line here as well. So let's see who else we have calling in here. This number looks familiar. Hey, good evening. Thank you for calling <laughs> Trek Talking. What's your name and where are you calling us from tonight? Shannon, I'm calling from Kentucky. Shannon, Shannon from Kentucky. It's always great to hear from <laughs> Shannon in Kentucky. And you, you picked mm-hmm. a great show to uh, call because we we have some great stuff to talk about later on, and it's. Yeah. It's really cool to have you involved in it with us too. So that's really awesome. Make sure I'm that when you here. go, it's going to be a lot of mm-hmm. fun. It's going to be a lot of fun. Yes. Yeah. So listen, guys, we want to do our convention, 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 <laughs> calendar, 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 calendar. <laughs> All right, guys, convention calendar. We haven't had one in, in quite a while because we've had our Star Trek Wines segment. But we're back, and we're going to do convention calendar. And, Eric, why don't you start us off with our convention calendar? Well, the first and perhaps the, the uh, convention I am tracking most closely, uh, which I, I would bet that Shannon is as well, is Star Trek Mission Chicago, April 8th Woo-hoo! through 10th at McCormick Place, Chicago. Shannon, you're going, right? Yes, I am. <laughs> Three-day pass from what I saw. That sounds like it's going to be awesome. A uh, whole TNG crew is going to be there. So you guys, if you can make it to Star Trek Mission Chicago April 8th through 10th, you absolutely should. Uh, I think it's going to be a riot. Uh, and make sure talk- that while you're there, make sure that you go and visit the Star Trek Wines table and say hello to Greg Spurrier. He's been on the show for the last yes. five weeks with us talking about Star Trek Wines, the full armada. And they're going to have wine tasting. They're going to have all kinds of stuff there. Make sure you stop by at the table at the convention. Mm-hmm. Say hello and, and mention Trek Talking so he knows that you heard about him from us. That would be really great. 
and do not and forget. And if, you know, if you're in a state that you can't get it, like Kentucky, you can ship it to Chicago because that's what I'm doing. Yeah, I'll pick it up there. there you go. <laughs> Way to beat the system. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Quick thinking. It. Officer and do, thinking. Thank you. And do not forget that if you would like to order some wines from them on StarTrekWines.com, you can use our special code Trek Talking, and you'll get 10% off your order, which is pretty thank cool. Thank you. I did that. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> we are also tracking WonderCon April 1st through the 3rd uh, at the Anaheim Convention Center in Anaheim, California, beautiful town. Uh, we're also checking out Anger's Geek Fest April 2nd through the 3rd at Parc des Expositions. De Anger in Anger, France. And my French is terrible, so I hope I didn't totally massacre <laughs> that. But yes, awesome Star Trek convention, April 2nd through the 3rd at Parc de Exposis de Anger in France. Uh, and the final one on my list is the Thick Zone, also April 2nd through the 3rd at Ferreria de Mustras de Armeria in Granada, Spain. My Spanish is also not very good, but please go check out that convention, guys. Jim, which ones are on your list? Well, we'd like to tell everybody about Quad City Comic Con April 2nd and 3rd at the Mississippi Valley Fairgrounds in Davenport, Davenport, Iowa. We're also following Wales Comic Con, the Telford Takeover, April 2nd and 3rd at the International Center in Telford, UK. And last on my list is Canton Akron Comic Book Toy and Nostalgia Convention, April 3rd at the St. George Social Center in North Canton, Ohio. And Charles, bring up the caboose here with your convention calendar. Let's start off with Clandestine Comics Book Show, April 3rd. Delta Hotels by Marriott, Baltimore, Hunt Valley. Hunt Valley, Maryland. Romick, April 7th through 10th. Sierra de Roma, from Rome, Italy. And finally, San Expo Philadelphia, HU10, Philadelphia Convention Center, Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. And, well, I know that COVID is winding down in a lot of parts of the country. Um, I know here in Vermont, we've dropped the mask mandate. We've pretty much dropped everything. Um, but there may still be parts of the country where that has not been the case. So please call the venues and make sure that the events are still going on as planned and make sure that you meet any of the aforementioned COVID regulations that may still be in effect. We'd hate to see you get there and not be able to go. So please do that before you head out to the convention. We also have not had Star Trek news in the last couple of weeks. So we're going to do Star Trek news tonight as well. It's a shortened version of Star Trek news because it's a double feature tonight, but that's okay. We have some great Star Trek news to talk about. So Priority on one message from Starfleet coming in on secured channel. Incoming transmission. Enter authorization code. Command codes verified. Define parameters of program. Level 9 authorization required. Specify parameters. Transfer of data is complete. So we've got three stories for you tonight for Star Trek news, but there's three really good ones. One of them just dropped today. Actually, uh, it dropped on Monday, but then Paramount immediately ripped it away from us. Just a little teaser. 
I did catch it on Monday, posted it on our Facebook page, and then Paramount took it down. So um, they just re-released it today. So, of course, Star Trek The Motion Picture 4K Director's Edition to debut in April, April 5th, actually. Watch the new trailer. Well, we're not going to watch it because we're on the radio, but we are going to play it for you guys. The highly anticipated release of the Director's Edition of Star Trek The Motion Picture on Paramount Plus finally has a date and a brand new trailer. There will also be a theatrical release event, as well as a 4K Ultra High D home video release. Robert Wise's Director's Edition of Star Trek The Motion Picture will premiere on Paramount Plus on April 5th, which happens to be First Contact Day. The new version was struck from the original camera negative, including the original visual effects shot on 65mm film taken from Paramount's archives. and will also feature upgrades to the film's special effects using the 2001 Director's Edition as a guide. In addition, there will be a brand-new Dolby Atmos sound mix. Fathom Events will also be bringing the film to theaters for a two-day event on May 22nd and May 25th. Tickets go on sale April 8th at fathomcom.com events. There will be followed a 4K Ultra HD disc and digital release in September, which will include HDR10 and Dolby Vision color grades, the new Dolby Atmos mix, as well as the new Legacy special features. I don't know what that happens to be, but We'll find out. So, you guys ready to hear it? Yeah. Let's yeah. let's play it. Yeah. I know it's the radio, yeah. so you're not going to see all the colors and stuff, but just to give you a little bit of an idea of what to expect. Um, hello? There it is. closer to Earth. I need you. I am convinced we are inside a living machine. Shall I go to battle station, sir? Insatiable curiosity. Spock, you haven't changed a bit. You're just as warm and sociable as ever. (laughs) I hope we got this one off to a good start. I hope so, too. So the first thing I noticed when I saw this trailer was... The, the the beginning, you couldn't see it, but you heard the music, were the shots of the Enterprise and Space Dock. There's a scene where the Klingon battlecruisers firing their torpedoes, and they just look spectacular. And the, yeah, the thing Jim, that... Oh, I mean, the, the visual... The, like, when you watch this trailer, the color alone, even if you're not watching it in 4K, you notice, particularly if you've seen the movie several times, 
the color is so different. It's just richer. Everybody looks um, more realistic. And then they, they keep showing um, how they've cleaned up these negatives and taken all of the darkness out of them. And everything is just really sharp. You can actually see what's going on. There's a lot more pushback. When, when yeah. one of my favorite warp effects that, that I've ever seen in Star Trek was in the motion picture, and I call it the rainbow effect. And in this version, the rainbow effect is really a rainbow effect. It's bright. It's vibrant. It's, it's, I can't wait to see it. I'm, well, I'm and really Jim, what I noticed in the trailer was that you always get that rainbow effect when they take off. But I feel like I saw something new in the trailer, which was a interesting rainbow effect when they come out of warp as well. And I can't remember seeing that in the original one. Maybe it was there, but it just like, it added a layer of richness to the, to the enterprise as it comes out of warp that just got me really excited about seeing this movie again. Yeah. I'm really looking forward to it. Did, Charles, did you get a chance to see it yet? I saw a quick glimpse of it this afternoon. I haven't really sat and stared at it too much. So I'd like to see it on Not my yet. TV set instead of my computer screen. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. Uh, David, so guess, have you had a chance uh, to I see guess... it yet? I actually just watched it as you were playing it. <laughs> and what'd you think? <laughs> it was really good. I uh, I really noticed that it was a lot more crispier and the uh, like what Eric was saying that it just looked a lot more clear and everything. And, and yeah, even not in 4K, it still looks good. Mm-hmm. And and speaking of the Star Trek, the motion picture, we are going to have a special show for you guys on the 7th. We're going to have Philo Barnhart on with us again, and he was one of the original artists on Star Trek, the motion picture, who hand-painted V'ger. Yep, you heard me. Uh Hand-painted V'ger, frame by frame by frame by frame by frame, because back then there were no computer graphics. Everything had to be done by hand, Philo was one of the guys who did that. And we also have an extra on who was in the scene with Leonard Nimoy, actually, in Star Trek, the motion picture. And um, yeah, I put the picture up on Facebook because I liked it. And the next thing I know, I got a message from this, this lady saying, hey, that's me in 1979. So she's going to be on cool. and she's going to be talking to us about what it was like to be involved in the first Star Trek movie being on set with Leonard Nimoy, uh, meeting Robert Wise, the whole nine yards. So that's going to be on the seventh. So you guys definitely, as well as our review of Star Trek Picard, whatever the episode title happens to be on the 7th of April. So if you guys are fans of Star Trek, the motion picture, you definitely want to join us on April 7th. So there you have it. So Charles, this next story I picked specifically for you. Yeah. Good choice. The card directed Leah Thompson on the making of one of Star Trek's scariest scenes. <laughs> Comedy and horror are totally, totally hard to pull off in any hour of television. <coughs> That's expected to appear on Star Trek. But with her recent episode on Star Trek for cards, Leah Thompson... <coughs> Sorry. May it look effortless. A 
Simulation, directed by Thompson, from the Back to the Future series and Howard the Duck, it's the third episode of Picard's very entertaining second season and takes place. Takes audiences on a slingshot around the sun, Star Trek Four style, on a mission through time back to 2024 Los Angeles. Originally, when I first got the script for the third episode, I didn't get to take them back in time. It was supposed to all happen in two episodes. Um, yeah. But due to rewrites or whatever, I got to be the part when they go back in time, which made me so happy because it was like, I did Back to the Future. I'm a time travel expert. Time travel is such a big part of the search for canon, Thompson added. There's so many different ways to take taking them back in time. And I was really grateful to executive Akiva Goldman and showrunner executive producer Terry Metallus because they do have respect for the director and they were like, do what you think you want to do. But I was really happy that they kept my idea there. With working behind the third actor to play the queen, Elbet, in a new iteration, and this being the first time Thompson ever worked with a character, both actor and director relied on each other to shape a tricky scene. It's a big set piece of the episode. One of, the, uh, one of them simulates in the legless four queens scurrying on the floor or staring down a pensive of someone enamored Gerarchy. The scene, according to Thompson, is really difficult to light and to see. It's a really creepy scene. I can't wait to see it. I haven't seen the final episode yet, so I'm really excited to see what the incredible visual effects team has done. There's even more Thompson to do in the fourth episode of this season. Even if it's half as good as simulation, fans are in for a great hour of stress. Mm-hmm. And, and we're going to talk about to that tonight. And I was just going to say, if you, you know, we're, we're taking for granted that everybody knows who Leah Thompson is, but if you do not remember who she is, she played Marty's mom, Lorraine McFly. Back in the Back to the yeah. Future days. Yep. Yep. And I'm going to meet her yeah. at a convention as well, which is pretty cool. So, how hard would it be, guys, to direct an incredible, like, scene uh, or an entire episode, obviously, but like this scene that she's specifically talking about, where you don't know what it's going to look like while you're directing it. You don't even know until you see the final thing and the visual effects people like add all their stuff to it. That to me just seems you, you really have to have kind of a conceptual mind to kind of take that leap and say, Hey, yeah. I, I, I understand what it's going to look like, even though I don't physically see the visuals in front of me. That is just so cool. She's from the yeah, she yeah. Don't forget that, um, that Picard doesn't have the VR wall like discovery has. It does not. So the effects are put in later. Through, yeah. through green screen and blue screen effects. So you, you don't see them uh, while you're doing it, whereas on Discovery, 
while they're standing in front of the 10C, you're seeing the 10C, but on Picard, you're not. And I but right imagine the fact the- of Go ahead. how she got the queen to act the way she did. She, the mm-hmm. lines between Gerarchy and the queen were great scenes. And when I took my second view of their time travel, that felt so much like I was rewatching pieces of Star Trek Four. Because that reminded me of how they time traveled across the sun. Absolutely. And and I and that was intentional too. And yeah. Eric Eric, you've got our final story, one that I got excited about, like I said, because I thought it was a Shatner says, What? But <laughs> um it wasn't. <laughs> No, it's even better, Jim, uh, because our new Captain Kirk, and if you have not been online yet to check out our new Captain Kirk, you should go right now. Uh, New Captain Kirk, Paul Wesley, was shocked to sit next to William Shatner on a plane. That's right. Paul Wesley is trading in his fangs for a spaceship. The Vampire Diaries star, age 39, will be taking on the part of Captain James T. Kirk in Paramount Plus's Star Trek Strange New Worlds. Wesley was in for quite a surprise when he found himself sitting next to Captain Kirk himself, William Shatner, on a plane. Quote, I am deeply humbled and still a little startled (laughs) to have been given the honor of playing the inimitable James T. Kirk, Wesley wrote. Ever since I was a kid, I've been awed by the imaginative world Gene Roddenberry created, he noted. Recently, I boarded a flight to L.A. to discover that the man in the empty seat beside me was the one and only... William Shatner, having himself just returned from space. Uh, Wesley said, I could barely put two words together, but ultimately I managed to say, hello. (laughs) And we chatted. (laughs) I'm not the only one who usually believes in fate, but this was more than just a coincidence. And of course, I had to get a picture. So thanks to Mr. Shatner for the good company and for seating us together. My thanks to the great bird in the sky. Can't wait for all you to see our Captain Kirk on your screens. Now, while this Polish-American actor is set to appear in season two of Star Trek Strange New Worlds, the show itself has yet to premiere its first season. The series is set to drop May 5th, coming right up here. Uh, That was so cool. Do you think that was a, like, did somebody make that happen, or was that literally just serendipitous? you, You know what? You got to remember, you got to think that this would have happened. Well, he just said when he got off the space flight. So this would have yeah, been that was many months ago, a while ago. And this would have been long before any of us knew that he was playing the Captain Kirk. Yep. Yep. So, like, so that it, has it, to be serendipity, right? I mean, that's so easy. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I'm thinking. It just had to be the stroke of luck. Thanks. Yep. But. Yeah. yeah, I love that Strange New Worlds is also debuting on Revenge of the Fifth. Yeah, absolutely. So listen, guys, uh, we are far, far, far from over. Uh, coming up next, we're going to be talking about Star Trek Discovery coming home, the season four finale. So don't touch that dial. Woo-hoo. 
This is Chris from Trek Talking and Beyond, here to invite you to join us for the best science fiction-themed podcast on the Internet. Our elite team of Trek experts are here to discuss Star Trek and other sci-fi-related content, and we want to hear from you. Dial 646-668-2433 on Thursday nights from 7.30 to 9.30 p.m. on East Coast Time. Hailing frequencies are always open, and we'll get you on the air to share your opinions. We have faith. You will call. And we're back. We're about to talk about Star Trek Discovery, the season four finale, coming home. Um, but first, I want to play a little clip that I um, I found, uh, an inside look at the season four finale of Star Trek Discovery. So enjoy. So, what happens with him? With look, he launched an isolated weapon. It's it's a long list. And I am not asking for leniency. We've come all the way from season one to this to this point of being captain, but then also to this point of accepting that things are outside of my control. It always has to be a collective decision, what's best for everyone. And that is something that Burnham learns over the course of time. And I love that it is settled in Burnham's heart uh, by the end of the season because there is that great loss of Book having to um, be accountable uh, for his actions. But it's definitely something that I, that I know is necessary and that I believe in and that I champion. And I think that speaks volumes uh, because that is not where Burnham started. Federation sending me to help families displaced by the DMA. What was really wild about shooting the season finale is um, Cleveland Booker talks to the 10C who killed and destroyed his planet. To go from that moment of, of closure to being with Michael Burnham in her quarters and just talking about departing each other was just a really disconcerting feeling because it's so unresolved. And um, I think that's true to life. Look, I don't know how to say bye. We don't. We say Kwakoni Iguan. It's a Kwajon term. It means something like, we've parted a hundred times. May we rejoin to part a hundred more. My hope is that when uh, audiences watch it, they care away from that, that Book and Burnham are gonna be okay. They have a little bit of a pause now because he's got to go away, but that their love is strong enough to withstand uh, their current difficulties and, and they're going to be okay together. I hope I'm not interrupting. Not at all. We went into season four in the room and when we were looking at what would Saru's arc be the season, it was we have to bring Tarina back and we have to see what that's all about. They were only in one episode in season three. They were in 307 together. There was something between those two characters that we didn't put it in the script, but they found something. I have wanted a relationship for Saru since season one. Anytime I had been interviewed about this, uh, people were like, what would you like to see for Saru in the future? It's always been, I would like him to find love. Because <laughs> I think that's, that's probably me talking too. Like, I, I, I like love so much and I want everyone to find love that, uh, that playing Saru and him being kind of a, a solo artist <laughs> in his life, I'd like to see him ha- have somebody that he can lean on uh, in that romantic kind of way. I love seeing that, um, that, that he's kind of found that and now at the end of season four, 
we find them actually consenting to make to make a go of this uh, and the, and for a very stoic Vulcan woman to tap into her emotion which they don't normally do <laughs> so for her to tap into that and to actually hold my hand as we look out gaze out a window together and then uh, the last the time you see us together I'm handing her a flower from my my gardens in my in my quarters such sweet innocent romantic moments that I really 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 cherish long-distance relationships can work especially with I think with us we're not the dating type anyway so we have someone special we know they're there and they'll be there when we get back wherever that is coming back for the finale was really exciting for me because she comes back in this like fully black Starfleet suit she's changed and to get to see that visually that was a very gratifying moment for me to see okay somebody different showed up Tilly is not somebody who lets people leave her life you know and so she will be part of this universe and this world for many years to come and the only family she has is on that ship I lean into the mystery of what's coming next I'm someone who doesn't like to know from, from Michelle, Paradise, and Alex, and all the other writers. I don't want them to tell me what's coming. Because in life, you don't know what's coming. You can have plans, and then things can happen. So I really love the, also the, the chance to, over the course of all these seasons, not know and then discover what are the next things, and then just lean into it, and lean into it, and lean into it, and let it take me where it's going to go. you guys enjoyed the inside look at the season finale of star trek discovery coming home and on our facebook page every week you'll see a post for the episode and we ask you guys our fans to grade the episode on a scale of one to ten with ten being the best because we like to have a pulse on fandom and we like to compare what we thought to what you guys thought so um Before we do that, though, I have to do this. Black alert, y'all. We are about to make the jump to some serious spoiler territory. All right. So, Eric, what did our Facebook fans have to say about Discovery Season 4 finale coming home? Well, Jim, I promise you I am not a broken record, but here we go. Nancy Anden gave it a 10! Exclamation point. Listen... I loved the Stacey Abrams cameo at the end. Boom. Uh, Steve Gay gave it a 10. Top fan Rick Paget gave it a 10 plus. Danielle Wasrick Pierce gave it a 10 with one, two, three, four, five, six exclamation points. Thank you, Danielle. Tom Walsh also gave it a 10. Top fan Nathan Hawk, great name, gave it a 10. Laura Robles gave it a 10. Renee Lund Jensen said was good. I'd give it a nine. And Rihanna McKenzie gave it a 10 plus. Top fan Michael Sean gave it 10. A very good season ending. And so for the first time ever in all of the things that we have ever reviewed, we have an episode with a fan score of 9.9. There you go. Boom. Mic drop. (laughs) Mic drop. Walk away. That's it. Yeah, that's that's all she wrote. Yep, and uh, which is odd, actually. We talked about this last week. 
our discovery scores are usually really high or really low. Um, And not this one, not on this one. So our fans gave it. Definitely aired on the side of way high. And we're going to talk about why that is, I think, but I was, Uh I was, you know, you may think we all just curate some tens out of this thing, but when you go to our Facebook page and you start looking around people, it is really that high and uh, not without reason, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, and I also want to point out that I do this when I put together the show. I, I program the whole show and set it all up. I usually like to have it the, com- the complete show done by Saturday, um, so that I don't have to worry about it during the week. So the scores that we get are the ones that I get, you know, prior to Saturday, obviously. So today being Thursday, I work Friday. Saturday, I will program the show that you're going to listen to next week. So um, when you look at the scores, if you look at the top scores, you'll see 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10. You'll see that. You'll see where I get that from. And there are some twos in there, and there are some zeros, and there are some negatives. I hate it. But when you look at the 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, those zeros, and I hate it, are like minuscule compared to all the 10. So that's where that comes from. All right, guys. So it's time for us, the talking heads of Trek talking, to tell you what (laughs) we thought about the episode. Um, And I do have a soundbite that I want to play for you guys, but I want to play that a little bit, a little bit later because we just played a soundbite. I want to get some talking in before we do another soundbite because unfortunately (laughs) I don't have one for Picard. So anyways, I want to talk a little bit, about Booker in this episode. So what did you guys think about Booker? What what did you think? What did you think about, about Booker, Shannon, about where he ended up and and the arc that he took in this episode? Actually, that's one of the reasons I really liked this episode other than we'll talk about, you know, the cameo at the end, but uh, because, you know, he came. He realized he made a mistake. He tried to fix it, but he's still going to be penalized because you're supposed to be penalized when you do something wrong like that. But luckily, it's not something that's going to keep him away from her forever. And I like the wrapping up the whole thing. I don't need to wait three or four months or next year to see the next episode. I like this, and hopefully this would never happen, but sometimes shows just stop, and you like to have that thing at the end of the season so that you don't need something to wait till next season. You're like, we're not going to come back, right? We're all going to just say, forget about it and not come back, <laughs> right? Well, it's not that, but sometimes it happens and you hate that. But, like, I don't want to wait till next year to know what happens with the relationship. We know they're going to be okay the way this round right. came out. So, Exactly, yeah. exactly. And, and we are going to talk about the United Earth president, but we're going to do that a little bit later here. Um, so I want to talk a little bit about Species 10C and uh, – Eric, what were your thoughts about Species 10C? I mean, this is the first alien race that wasn't people with stuff glued on their foreheads, basically. Yeah. Not that I'm knocking that. Don't don't send me hate mail, okay? (laughs) We just talked about (laughs) we just talked about the greatness now than they were when you were born. That's (laughs) right. We've talked about the greatness of Michael Westmore, okay? So Mm -hmm. don't start sending me hate mail, but. These were truly alien aliens in this alienist mm-hmm. sense of aliens. 
Yeah, and to me, Jim, that is the real strength of the last couple of episodes of Star Trek Discovery because they took us into a world where we all feel uncomfortable. We can't just rely on the universal translator. We can't just rely on kind of um, imprinting our ideals on the alien species and hoping that they sort of get what we're talking about. You know, this is, this is an entirely different animal from dealing with the Klingons or the Romulans or the Cardassians or any of that. This is a species that we literally don't have any clue how they communicate. We don't even understand the concepts that they use uh, to like form a framework for their lives. Remember uh, last episode, they were talking about empathy. Like, do these aliens even feel empathy? So I just have to say that I, I would say, and I don't think this is a stretch for me to say this, of all of the alien species that I've ever seen on Star Trek, I think that species 10C is my favorite because you get the real kind of, you know, not to trivialize it, but the real kind of close encounters kind of feel to this, right? You, 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 there's a brilliance um, to, to coming up with how to communicate with this species. And then the fact that, um, that this episode even, even kind of starts to twist that around a little bit. And, you know, the aliens don't even understand the concept of one versus many. That tells you that they think on an entirely different level than, than we do. And the, the Discovery crew has to explain to them no, we are both one and many, and then sometimes some folks diverge from the many and kind of do their own thing as well. Um, just like, just knocked it out of the park. I mean, I love the way the aliens look. I love the way they communicate. Um, my only one, and we're not going to bring this up later, so I'll bring it up now, but the only one thing that I had a question about was why didn't Tarina try and communicate with them telepathically sooner? Uh, but, uh, but man, uh, my absolute favorite species and, and just the, all the scenes with them in this particular episode were, I was literally on the edge of my seat, like what's going to happen next? Are they going to, you know, are they going to be able to communicate with these guys? Are they going to understand what they're saying? And even though you kind of know it's going to work out, I was still just absolutely riveted by this species. Yeah. And, and speaking of things working out, um, Charles, what do you think was the final take on Tarka? I mean, he seemed he seemed to have a redemption there when he sent when he sent Booker and uh, Jet Reno back to Discovery. Um, he he kind of seemed to redeem himself a little bit because he saved them. What do you think about Tarka? I think Tarka's going to be left a big mystery. Because we don't know what happened to him. I think he did finally realize the fact that he was sacrificing others to get his game. And did he finally get his travel to the other side to see his friend? <coughs> <coughs> I think that's going to be a Star, one of those Star Trek mysteries. We never know what the truth is. They, uh, he did have his interdimensional transporter with him, so it's possible right. that he could have transported out. We don't exactly know. Exactly. He got a little it better. Did. I think I still got the point that Parker just... 
a little too self-centered. I think that's the problem is he's so focused on just himself, they didn't really care what he did for others. Right. Yeah, I think you're right. You yeah. hit the nail right on the head. Absolutely. And, by the way, I was going to I was gonna throw a past comment about Booker. When Booker got lost in transport and we had that sad scene, I was more the point of constant was like, something's wrong. I don't know what. Something's wrong, but I just can't picture this being lost in transport so quickly. And it's like, he would be so good at communicating with these aliens. It kind of left me like, okay, something's wrong here. I can't picture just losing book that easily. And that kind of left me thrown as like, okay, there's something going on. And we find out later on there was something going on. That the Tennessee did get involved in it. But I thought that was a unique way of kind of taking him out of the situation and bringing him back in at the right point. Now, um, Eric, what did you think about General Endoya's involvement in this whole plan? Mm, that's a that's an excellent question. Um, I think that it was pretty accurate to how somebody would react. You kind of have to go back to the previous episodes and remember where Earth's coming from at this point, right? When the burn happened, the number one target was Earth. And Earth literally had to kind of like regress and come up with a super militaristic society just to be able to defend themselves. And so although some people I think uh, think of Endoya as kind of like reactionary or maybe she's not thinking everything through, you have to realize that the context of that is that their planet has been under siege for centuries. And so her entire outlook on things is from a militaristic view. And I, and I love the fact that they, first of all, first of all, I hated that she sort of betrayed them, but then I love the fact that they gave her in this episode an opportunity to redeem herself. And of course she did. Um, She did uh, in spades. And so in the end, I really liked her character. And, uh, yeah, something else I wanted to uh, talk about a little bit. Uh, Shannon, what did you think about the return of the snarky Reno? Well, last week we (laughs) saw Reno, and she was very serious and deadpan, and she really didn't – she wasn't snarky at all. She she was a different version of Reno. But in the finale – she had the snark back. Mm-hmm. She wanted her licorice. She wanted her sweet and sour soup, the whole nine yards. What did you think about the return of Snarky Reno? Did you like it? Yes, I love Snarky Reno. She's my favorite kind of Reno. <laughs> <laughs> we all agree. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. You, you got to have Snarky Reno. You, you, you need her. Mm-hmm. You absolutely need mm-hmm. her for sure. I was glad to see her back again when she says, when she says to Booker, boy, if only I had some sweet and sour soup. And he says, what? Oh, nothing. I'm just hungry. I'm like, oh, my God. <laughs> well, you know, I, just, I loved she, it. She does what so many of us tend to do, which is diffuse tense situations with humor. Uh, so it's a very human reaction. And she's just got like that delivery that sort of goes right along with that. So, I, you know, put her in any situation, right? And she is going to find a way out because she's just going to smarm her way out of it. 
I love yeah, and think her way out of that. I mean, she's super smart, right? She spent all last episode yeah. just watching Tarka, trying to figure out what he was doing, and then she she like made a plan with Book this episode. So, ah, so good. Does anyone right. know why she was missing from the last couple of episodes? Well, yeah, because she has um, she has um, uh, what is that immune? Her immune. Yeah, she's uh, got a immunity. compromised immune system. I can't remember what her what her particular situation is, but um, they can only get her on set for a certain number of days. They can only do mm-hmm. it in certain ways, and so they they chose this season to make her less uh, present than she was last season. But did it matter because uh, she was back when it really mattered? <laughs> yeah, when, when, when they needed her, she was there, and the scenes that they were able to get her for, she stole. So I'm mm-hmm. glad they got her. But now that this COVID thing is lifted, maybe we'll see more of her in the next season, hopefully. <laughs> more they reopen Reno. the Canadian borders, and Snarky <laughs> Reno will be back. <laughs> I feel like I want a T-shirt with that on it, right? I want a Reno face. You can totally make one. Yeah. <laughs> with, with black licorice. <laughs> there you go. There you go. So uh, we heard it a little <laughs> bit in the in the uh, little clip that I paid, but um, – Eric, what did you think about Tarina and Saru finally getting together? Oh, my gosh, you guys. Anybody who listens to this podcast knows that I am a huge fan of this particular relationship. And the, the innocence of it, the mutual respect displayed, the um, tentative kind of um, – feeling each other out that happens in this episode and then the ultimate resolution that they both decide that they're going to give it a go. Um, it gives me goosebumps. Uh, it just like hits all of my, um, my sweetness buttons uh, in my personality. Uh, I absolutely loved it. I loved that they didn't kiss, for example, like that just adds a layer of innocence and authenticity to this relationship that I think would have been ruined had they like, you know, all of a sudden had a hot and heavy kiss at the end or something like that. So the way the writers handled this particular <laughs> relationship mm-hmm. was just perfect in my opinion. And, and one thing that I, I want to help people remember is that um, Tarina is not necessarily Vulcan. Uh, she is Navarin. And so who knows mm-hmm. over the course of a thousand years, how much Romulan DNA is in there. I think what we're seeing here is that the Vulcans, the Navarans now, have evolved, and they're no longer a race just entirely based on logic. They use logic as a guiding principle, but they recognize the value of having emotions and uh, exploring those emotions when the time's appropriate. So uh, I just I can't say enough good about the relationship, and I know I'm kind of gushing right now, but it just <laughs> as relationships go on TV and particularly Star Trek relationships, like. Star Trek has never had super strong relationships. Usually you get like a relationship that happens and then it, it either goes away or if you get lucky, you get like a, you get a Balan and a Tom Paris every once in a while, but like it doesn't happen super often. And I'm, I'm really hoping that they continue to develop this relationship between Saru and Tarina in a really innocent and really sweet way. Cause I just think that is, it's pushing all the right buttons for me. Isn't and you know, Romulans and Vulcans don't they always share the same DNA? 
Yeah, yeah they, do, they do, but they're but philosophically they're entirely different. You have to like if you go back, I can't remember how long ago it was, it was like twenty six hundred years ago or something is when the split happened. And so over that sort of course of time, philosophies are going to have an effect on the evolution of the actual person. It's gonna change how the brain develops, right? And so Yes, they do come from the same DNA, but culturally they were so different for thousands of years that I think now the reintegration of that kind of Romulan passion into the Vulcan culture, the, which now became Navarran culture, was just really cool. Okay. Absolutely. <clears throat> and, and, you know, I, one more thing I, I want to bring up here, uh, but before I do, I just want to say I, I've noticed a lot of fans on the Facebook page complaining that uh, Star Trek is too touchy-feely. Um, yeah. It's too political. It's too woke. Um, it's like 90210 in space. Uh, there's too much caring oh, and too God. much feeling oh, and talking. And I'm reading all these comments, <laughs> and I'm like, um, first of all, are we watching the same show? Uh, and secondly, have you watched Star Trek? Um, the, the, the original tagline for Star Trek, the motion picture was what? The human adventure is just <laughs> beginning. Yeah. Star Trek has always been about humanity, finding our humanity. It's always been about these ethical questions. It's always been about relationships. Always. That's the, the Kirk Spock, uh, uh, McCoy trifecta was the main relationship driving TOS. Every Star Trek has been based on, you know, relationships between the characters. If you don't have relationships and all you have are spaceships and aliens and battles and duels, you have Star Wars. And Star Trek is not Star Wars. And and, and don't start sending me hate mail. We love Star Wars. (laughs) Star Wars is a different thing. Okay. We love it than Star Trek. Um, so when I hear people talk, saying this, it just makes me wonder what exactly are they looking for in Star Trek? If they would, if they think that, um, you know, Uhura on the bridge of the Enterprise could not have been a more in-your-face political woke statement that ever happened. Um, because she was there during the height of the civil rights, there were stations that wouldn't show Star Trek back then. And I think a lot of fans today forget that the issues that TOS raised and the things that Gene Roddenberry brought up in TOS in the sixties, a lot of those things, not all of them, unfortunately, uh, don't exist today. And if you were to do those things on TV today, it would be like, huh? Oh, well, but in the 60s, it was a big thing. And when you're dealing with characters that are, and I'm going to, my ignorance is going to show here. When I heard that they were having a binary character on Discovery, my Star Trek ignorance, I said, oh, my God, they're going to have binars. This is great. (laughs) Um, I had no idea. It's non-binary, silly. (laughs) I I didn't know. I'd never heard that term. Didn't know it existed, mm-hmm. had no idea what mm-hmm. it even meant. My Star Trek brain thought the little short binar dudes from uh, oh, 1001, 1001. Yeah. That's what I thought. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So 
Mm-hmm. Star Trek is still bringing diversity to us. They're still challenging mm-hmm. us with these new ideas. They're still making parts of our civilization of our be seen that aren't seen. And that is what Star Trek has always been about and continues to be about. So, yeah. all right, I'm, I mean, off, Jim, I'm going to step off no, no, no. of my soapbox. No, it's a good one. It's a good soapbox to be on because um, yeah. if you think about it, like Star Trek has always tried to give us the other view from what was going on in society at the time. And mm-hmm. I mean, not to get too philosophical, but if you look at some of the stuff that's going on in society right now, there's a real lack of empathy overall. People... The internet has allowed us to be so anonymous that people no longer um, have a culpability of sort of talking face to face with one another, which leads to a deficiency of empathy, I think. And I think that when a show like Discovery, you know, takes empathy over the top in some people's opinions, what they're showing us is the value of that ideal, right? They're showing us that, no, you don't have to live life this way. You can live your life with an extreme amount of empathy and succeed. Uh, and I just really, really appreciate that. Yeah, and I, I think that, uh, well, we're going to get to this a little bit later. Uh, I think we're going to talk about it today, but I want to mention it right here. I think that, unfortunately, too many people in today's society, uh, mostly in the United States, because I don't know what people outside of the United States think, because I'm not there. Um, so I can only talk about what I see in my everyday life and what I see on our Facebook page and what I see on the internet. Too many people cannot or will not separate politics from humanity or, yeah, uh, right. There, there's a big difference there. Yep. Human rights are human rights, whether you're Republican or Democrat or anything in between. And, what I see is too many people take their politics. And if you said to somebody, okay, let me give you an example. If the United States was invaded today by Russia, would you have people that would say, oh, well, that's Biden's problem. I didn't vote for him. And and so I don't really care. Or would people band together like we're seeing in the Ukraine and stand together unified? That worries me right there because I don't have the faith in fellow in my fellow Americans to think that they would do that, unfortunately, based on what I see and read from people. They cannot come together if they think you're the enemy. You're on the other side of the aisle, so you can't be my friend. That's a problem. I and think. Jim, Star Trek Discovery has shown us that we are stronger as a group when we work Absolutely. together than we are as individuals living in our silos. Exactly. I, <laughs> I agree completely. I, I, I have this conversation a lot at work because a lot of the people that I work with are on the other side of the political spectrum than I am. I'm in the minority. And, you know, it's like, well, you know, just because you voted for that guy and I didn't, that, that we still have to work together. We're still friends. We're, yep. you know, it, it doesn't matter. We don't okay? have to hate We're each Americans. Other, <laughs> I'm not, you know, if you said to me, you know, I, I'm not going to say I'm a Democrat. No, I'm an American, period, cut and dry. 
It's the differences that make us stronger. And we have to start accepting that. We have to. If we ever want to get to where Star Trek is, we have to. And Discovery shows us that every day. And I think it's a lesson that a lot of people either aren't ready for or don't want to hear. Because when someone challenges you with something that you're not ready for or that you don't agree with, it's easy to just attack it, say it's woke, say it's too political, say it's too touchy-feely, and attack it and ignore it than it is to accept it. So, yeah, I, I'm sorry. I got off on a tangent, but because <laughs> <let's, laughs> I'm, I'm very passionate about, about that. Well, okay. I mean, we're talking about the fundamental nature of Star Trek right now, which I think is a really important topic. And, you know, um, I, I think that the, the climate of the way we communicate right now is what's making it hard for some people. Um, but I believe that Star Trek Discovery, like once we get past all the like, if we do get past all the like, we can't communicate with each other because we voted for different people, people are going to look back on this show and they're going to be like, oh, oh, now I get it. Now I get it. It's all about banding together as a group and working together. So uh, great example. Great and great continuation of Gene uh, Roddenberry's like idea of Star Trek as a morality play, right? Like all great uh, literature, whether you read Homer or whoever, there's a lesson at the end. And the lesson here is look to the person to your right and grab their hand and jump in with them. Because if you don't, you're going to be lonely and you're probably going to fail. And you know what? I think that Star Trek always works best. Star Trek always uses today as a magnif you know, what's going on today, and they put it into science fiction and use it as a way to examine today. And a lot of times it's hard to see beyond today because you're involved in it. It's, it's happening outside your window. But if you go back and you watch Star Trek, you know, you watch TNG or DS9 or Enterprise or, or Voyager or TOS, you know, 20 years removed from those issues, it's easier to see them when they're not directly involved with you. And it's, it's hard to step outside of what, of your comfort zone and see that. So I think that 10 years or 20 years from now, when people are watching Discovery that weren't involved in the issues that are going on today, they will see it in a different light. So I'm going to jump yeah. on Jim's soapbox for just a moment and bring up one episode that I think reminds me how much politics is in Star Trek. Let this be your last battlefield. Oh, that yep. episode. Talk yep. about serious race relationships. Yeah. Just because you're, just because you have different colors, you're different. Yeah. When when Loki when Loki says to Spock, "Well, can't yeah. you see the difference?" Right. Right. And Spock says, "No." <laughs> Perfect. And he says, and I, "He's black on the right, and I'm black on the left." Yep. Spock's like, "Yeah. Oh, uh, so what? What's the cares? problem?" <laughs> well, he's inferior. And that summed it all up right there. Spock didn't see it. Nobody on the Enterprise could see it. But these two were so filled with hate, that's all they could see. And that's what it, that's what it boils down to. That's a great episode, Charles. Great one. So, um, 
Yeah, I, I wanted I wanted to bring up another family relationship on the show, which I thought was great in this episode, and that was Stamets, Culber, and Adira. Um, I think one of the great uh, nucleus families that we've seen on Star Trek. Um, when when Burnham wants everybody to come down to to meet the Ten C and be there for the first contact, and uh, Stamets stays behind. And Culber stays behind to, to be with him. And Adira stays in engineering. And even Jet Reno stay, stays behind and makes some snarky comment about Bobcat, which I thought was great. Um, yeah. You know, the three of them, their, their, their little family unit, uh, were together. And I thought that was great. I loved that scene of the three of them together. They're not quite, um, you know, traditional family but family nonetheless and i thought well, that it was, was great well it was wonderful that when colbert came down there he's like yeah i could be somewhere else but i'd rather be with my family i mean that just yep. was so perfect and last but not least before we get to the united earth president which will be a big hey. one tilly <laughs> tilly yeah. she's back <laughs> i uh I love the scene with her and Vance at the headquarters. You know, she stays behind and she's going to, she's going to fight to the end. She has total faith that Michael will get it done and literally puts her hands in Michael or her life in Michael's hands and her and Vance stand there and they, they drink a shot of, I think it was Aldarian whiskey or something. And I love Vance in this episode, and I love the return of Tilly. What did you guys think? Were you glad to see Tilly back? Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. You missed Tilly. Yeah, I'm silly for Tilly. I think it was great that she showed up again. And uh, Yeah, and, she was, so. and she's right. When I love that uh, clip that you played of Mary Wiseman kind of talking about Tilly's return because um, it was a different Tilly. Like, this Tilly was, like, in charge authoritative like she was like cadet you do this cadet you do this follow me um like she has grown into her position at um at starfleet academy and we didn't even see it happen you just like all of a sudden we haven't seen her for a few episodes and boom we get a new tilly uh i really liked that yeah that that was good i liked that too and that brings us to the other soundbite i want to play we we finally get to meet the united earth president and uh the united earth joins the federation uh, comes back to the federation starfleet headquarters is now in orbit of earth and i'm hoping that's where it stays uh i will have to wait till next season but it would only make sense that the headquarters would be back orbiting earth um which would be cool uh, if that happened but Earth comes back. They're ready, and they make the jump, and they join the Federation, which is awesome. We meet the, the United Earth president, and I have a clip that I want to play for you guys um, about the United Earth president. Madam President. Madam President. Welcome. I am so pleased that you've come. One of the reasons I love Star Trek is that it is not one thing. It is so many different shows, and it's so many different vantage points. It has this idealized notion of what can be, but a very grounded understanding of how hard the work will be to get there. And what has been so remarkable about every iteration of the show is that they take that same construct 
but they do it so differently and so well that you never get bored with the journey. It's very special to me to get to welcome you home. The Discovery crew meeting the president is a big deal because it finishes an arc that began at the beginning of season three. The Federation and Starfleet haven't been on Earth for a hundred years. It was incredibly well plotted out by Michelle and Alex uh, to know that we would get to this moment. United Earth is ready right now to rejoin the Federation. That kind of means, well, Federation is back. It's whole again. Captain, may I have a word? Of course. I'm so grateful to her for uh, gracing us with her presence <laughs> and for the writers for getting her in there. <laughs> We knew that she was a fan of the show, and I had read uh, an interview with her uh, at some point where she was talking about her love of Star Trek and her love of Discovery specifically in Burnham, and we reached out to her people, and uh, we're like, we want to just ask about this, and she's so lovely and was so excited about it and genuinely excited to get to do it, and it was just the neatest thing. So I went to performing arts high school. It was nothing like this. So, I mean, I've been very lucky to get to sit in a chair and have someone do my hair and my makeup in ways I wouldn't have imagined. I'm not wearing prosthetics. I, I don't get new ears or new forehead, uh, but my hair is different. And then I got to be outfitted for my uh, uniform, and that was just an extraordinary experience. And I get a communicator, which I'm going to probably sneak into my pocket. They give <laughs> such care to how they craft spaces and worlds. Whatever the story was, I wanted to be a part of it because watching Michael Burnham come into her power as a captain, watching this hardy crew reclaim itself, not only in a new era, but in a new space that is so reminiscent of what they remembered, but so different. That to me speaks of why we do the work we do in politics. It's about giving people hope and giving them a better life and creating this vision of what is possible. And so regardless of the role that I was going to get to play, I wanted to be a part of it. There's a lot of work to do. Are you ready for that? I am. Let's get to it. So what did you guys think about the United Earth president and Earth coming back to the Federation? Was it not awesome? Yeah. Me, me, me. Absolutely. Go ahead, Shannon. Yeah. <laughs> yes. I've been waiting this whole time. Oh, my God. I was yelling at my TV. Um, I had to stop the episode because I'm like, no. It's like, oh, this is awesome because um, I know she's a Trekkie. But uh, it's just, it was perfect, you know, because, you know, if you know, I guess if you don't know who she is, that's different. But it's, it was just awesome because we know she's a Trekkie. As a Trekkie, we would all love to be on the show, you know. And when I bought one of her books, I bought a book last year, and it happened to be autographed because our luckily our local bookstore had them autographed. And I had posted something about that I was going to have to track her down at a Star Trek convention because apparently she randomly pops in at conventions because she's a nerd like us. That I would have to track her down to get it signed, but I already have it. And she liked my comment last year. <laughs> I'm like, so, and I don't know if you all saw when she was in the a trivia thing against Pete Budacek last year. Did you all see that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I didn't. Okay, they had a Star Trek fundraiser, but she kicked his ass. 
Like, it's like he's like, I thought I was a Trekkie, but she knows way more Trek than I do. And that's mm-hmm. why I was so excited because I think she's an awesome person anyway. For, and for them to be on the show, I think, like, so she may not have won her election, but she's a she's now in charge of our planet, <laughs> Star Trek. So that's why I was, I just thought it was awesome. So. And, you know, a lot, a lot of, um, when I put the post up on the Facebook page and it of course was caught on fire, obviously, but mm-hmm. there were a lot of people from outside the United States that didn't understand what was going on. You know, right. what's, what's the deal here? What's the problem? And, uh, you know, I just, you know, she just showed up. If you didn't know who she was, it was no big deal. You know, I, I don't think so anyways. Um, so yeah, I liked it. I thought it was good. I I enjoyed it. Well, so my my point of view is that I I didn't realize who she was, mm-hmm. but when she came on, but when she came on, the character was so formidable. Mm-hmm. She just came in with okay, okay, we got the negotiations. He's like, no, we're not doing any negotiations. We're coming back, and it's like. She's a powerful character. Mm-hmm. Not realizing her back, her own personal story, she was a powerful character, a presence. She commanded that performance. And she Absolutely. made a great president. President, this is president. Like, mm-hmm. sit there and see the green. Like, she's a, she was a formal character, and I think she really fit the character well. I, I would agree. So, and, I like, uh, the, and I like what they did with her hair, which was super cool. She had those like <laughs> cool like lines kind of shaved in the side, which looked really cool. Mm-hmm. So we still have to talk about Picard assimilation. Yep. So um, our fans gave it a nine point nine. So Shannon, why don't you start us off? One to ten. Well, ten being the score. best. Uh, so what can do you I think? give you my score on Discovery first? Well, sure. We need to give our right. our scores for Discovery, don't we, Jim? And yeah. I think we okay. might have a caller on the line as well. Oh. Stacey Abrams? No, okay. Yeah, yeah I wish. <laughs> yeah, no. That would be awesome. <laughs> yeah. It, it could be. You never know. She might listen to the show. <laughs> she could be there. Mm-hmm. Stacey, can you hear us? <laughs> yes, this is Stacey Abrams. <laughs> I just like to thank you all for the fine work you're doing on this podcast. I feel inspired, and I feel like I finally landed in the bastion of sanity I've been trying to locate, and I feel like I can, I can take on any foe now, thanks to the inspiration I received from you. So thank you all at Trek Talking. Awesome. <laughs> That is great. It's been the best conversation, you guys. It's fantastic. I've just been listening to you guys talk. And, uh, and Jim, I, I want to put a medal on your chest, man. I mean, for what you're saying uh, in terms of, you know, reminding everybody what really is at the core of Star Trek, guys. I mean, just, wow, uh, phenomenal. I mean, just, uh, I'm just sitting here just kind of being inspired listening to everyone tonight. Uh and, and those, okay. those aren't just I want to let everybody know who this who, who Stacey Abrams really is Of course if you guys have listened to any of the Fireside chats we've, we've done <laughs> five of them So far 
sixth one will be next week. Um, they are with Eric and Paul, and of course, you all know Eric, but this is Paul. <laughs> so welcome Hello. to the show, for real, live on the show. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Thank you so much. And I, I have to tell you, uh, we are ramping up production, if you will, for the uh, the season finale fireside check, if you will, coming up this weekend. And it's the last of this series, the last one of the Armada. And uh, I hope everyone's ready. <laughs> I hope Eric's ready because we're going nuts for this thing. We're going I am nuts. ready, my we, friend. Uh, so here's a, a little preview, right? The last couple of times we've had a bottle of red wine, we've been like had a theme emerging. It's like this seems like it needs food, right? We keep finding ourselves saying that same commentary all the time. And of the reds that's in the Armada, Eric saved the biggest and craziest sounding one for last, the Zinfandel, right? So we are going out Saturday, Eric and I, and we are hunting wild targ in the uh, the deep <laughs> forests of the <laughs> Klingon homeworld. And so there's going to be meat at this particular gathering, okay? It's going to be food. We're having food and wine. We are bringing both of our great houses together at the long table, and uh, it's going to be crazy. So excited. Uh, it should be a – it should be a uh, – a fireside chat like no other with various subchapters. So that's all I'm going to say, but uh, I think it's uh, <laughs> going to be kind of exciting. I'm kind of excited. My stove is excited. I think we're all excited here. At, uh, oh, I guess our, uh, our, special, our special Sunday afternoon, Eric and Paul on cut might be a special edition. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> Could have the director's some interesting cut. information in there. We'll have to see. Yeah. <laughs> to, to, to quote a baseball legend, anything can happen, and it probably will. Yep. <laughs> you got to believe. You got to believe. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And I'm just, uh, I just want to echo what everybody was saying before earlier, too, because I was just sitting there nodding furiously next to my speaker, right? And it's just, wow, I, this is such an exciting time for, for Star Trek in general. I mean, so much good stuff is going on. I mean, such a great finale last week um i found that i'm like giddy now uh, each week when it's time for a new episode of picard because they are just going through the roof now on picard it's so exciting and i just love the writing on there and then the trailer for the 4k you probably already talked about it earlier but the but the 4k motion picture coming out in uh, a few weeks man this is such a great time to be a Star Trek enthusiast. It just feels like it's all the tide's coming in and it's coming in hard and it's just wonderful, friends. It is it, the golden is age, awesome. my friend. The golden age of Star Trek. Okay. Yep, Wait, the Star Trek is. enthusiast. That makes us sound like a wine thing ourselves as opposed to just checking. <laughs> <laughs> We're like a fine wine. Perfect. Is what there we you are. go. There you go. <laughs> So, so Eric, some of us have been aged a long time. We just haven't mellowed with age. Yes, yes. We're long in the tooth. <laughs> exactly, exactly. But with that comes appreciation, right? You can really appreciate That's it. That's true. And, uh, it's, I just love the idea of, you know, the you know, young girls in the audience seeing Michael Burnham and being inspired by her to pursue careers mm-hmm. in space exploration who maybe wouldn't have considered that before. But they get her... As that role model, we get to 
uh, we're getting to see all kinds of different types of people being put forth as inspirational folks these days. And uh, uh-huh. we're seeing a lot of younger people discover Star Trek who didn't know about it. And younger people is where you got to put your hope in the future. So it's just, it's just exciting. I'm all excited today because it seems like, you know, Thursday is when the new shows drop, right? So it's exciting. And then we had that uh-huh. 4K trailer today. Which may be crazy. It was just like, oh my god, I can't believe this is coming this soon. So, dial it down, Paul. <laughs> kind of excited. And the biggest thing, <laughs> the, the biggest thing about Thursday is Trek talking. I mean, that's the big thing. Yes. You know. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> it all comes together. It's like all of a sudden the uh, the it, here the, we the are. sun crests the zenith, right? And there we go. It's like get a chance. And here we are. You got to be able to connect with your people. And talk about everything that's, that's happening. So it's a wonderful time to convene, friends. And uh, it's just so exciting to uh, to get a chance to chat and uh, share all this yeah, live. Usually, I just I just hear you guys on the video, but it's great to hear your voice live, live and uncut. <laughs> mm-hmm. so. It's it's shocking. It's amazing. It's just a. Uh, have to push my wife physically out of the house to be able to get on the radio. <laughs> <laughs> okay, you go have dinner, honey. Bye-bye. Bye. <laughs> I need to support work and talk about Star Trek. <laughs> That's right. So, uh, so Eric, scale of 1 to 10, 10 being the best, season finale discovery. Oh, man, I, it's hard for me to come up with anything better than this, um, but I don't give anything a 10, so I'll go 9.95, guys. Uh, just really knocked it out of the park. It's the trekkiest trek I can imagine, and like I said, 10C is my absolute favorite alien species of all time now, just hands down. So 9.95 for me. So you're right there with our Facebook fan. Absolutely, and uh-huh. even above them, approaching infinity with my warp. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Your spore drive, and you're you're in black alert. That's right. I'm in black <laughs> alert over this one, baby. Mycelial network. Here we come. <laughs> All right. How about you? How about you, Charles? One to ten. I think I'm right there with Eric. I'm not sure about a pure ten, but a nine point nine five. But this, <clears throat> the way they wrap this one up, especially. Just tie it all together and added things we didn't we didn't expect to, to see. <clears throat> they just really tie this one up together to make it a great finale. All right, so so far there. we're we're right there with our fans so far. And how about you, David? One to ten. I'm gonna have to probably go with a nine point three. Wow, that's a, that's that's a another big score. Wow. All right. Shannon, you ready? Yes. Okay. What do you, so, what do you think? Even without the Stacey, Stacey Abrams, I was going to give it 9.9. But since Stacey Abrams is on now, I'm going to go with a 9.9 because, yeah, I can't give anybody a 10. But, again, <laughs> that could be the end of the show, and I would be fine with that. Not that I want yep. it to go away. But they wrapped up everything. I liked it. It made me feel happy about Star Trek. Yeah. Wow. That we're 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 right up there, and I guess Paul, you can bring up the caboose on this one. Yeah, I gotta say, friends, you know, there were parts of the season maybe that I wasn't, you know, totally mad about, but when it comes to a finale, <laughs> I gotta say nine point five to ten, frankly, because it's just I feel like mm-hmm. everything that maybe I wasn't hugely thrilled about in some parts of the story arc 
this was the finale that just like you like you said that brought it all home. I was, as a, you know, yeah. to get to really convey. You know, I think about how many iterations of, you know, bumpy foreheads did we have in the course of, like, Deep Space Nine and Voyager, right? And we got something truly alien here with the 10C, which was so great. It was just such a left turn and, like, really from, like, deep classic science fiction, something crazy and innovative and new. And uh, the theme of family was just so strong, and it, it – it, it brought it brought a huge amount of hope to tie the story together, and none of it felt trite to me. It felt really solid, character driven. When it was all over and done, I wanted more. You know, I wasn't like, "Oh God, that season." You know, I didn't have that attitude at all. So I was like, "Okay." I'm like, "That was the nice wrap up to the story." I'm excited to see where Michael goes next. I'm super excited for Saru and his new friend. I think that's just fabulous. And uh, I am for season five. I, I think they're really heading in a great direction. So for me, it was super satisfying, uh, a delight. Well, I got to say that I thought it was. I thought that the USS Yelchin was a great little little nod. The USS Nog was really cool, and the USS Mitchell. Um, after Ken Mitchell, yeah. there, who's played how many characters on? I lost track. Three or four. Uh, at least four? three. Yeah. Oh, is it yeah, Cole? Oh, you're right, because he played Cole and Cole's. Yeah, you're right. He, yeah. yeah, when when the Mitchell shows up and fires the phasers and saves the headquarters, I was like, wow, that's really cool. So, so guys, you know, I, I hate to do this. I hate to be the one. But, you know, where's Nate when I need him? So, you know, I love this episode. I thought it was great, but I I didn't like – it felt like it was too happy too and too wrapped up for me. It was like I don't think Book <laughs> should have lived. For I think that he should have died. Um, when when the Ten C rescued him and then just brought him back at the exact perfect moment, I was like, well, okay, that kind of did, didn't sit well with me. I, I didn't like what they did with General Andoya in this one. Um, you know, she crashes her ship on a suicide mission. They beam her out at the end. She's she's alive again, and here she is standing with the president of the of the federa- of the federation and Earth. And it's like, you know, you just broke the law, and but now you're forgiven. I I, I didn't like that. Um, and you know what? I hate to do this because I'm always the one that's positive about everything, but um, you know, sometimes there's stuff I don't like, and I really didn't like. One of the things that, that baffled me was one of the high points of last week's episode was how they communicated through math and light and, and whatnot. We talked about it last week, but this Listen. week, all of a sudden, they're doing full sentences and, and everything. Like, like they just learned it all instantly. And when, and when they got to the final episode there, the final end, Book shows up and he gives a speech, and then Burnham gives a speech, then the president gives a speech, and all these speeches are expressing emotion and feeling and individuality, which are all concepts that are alien to the tendency, but all of a sudden, they can understand them and comprehend them as if, you know, it's nothing, and they turn around and stop the DMA, take back all the radiation, fix up all the, the problems. And then create a wormhole to send the discovery back home. And all of it together just felt like it was rushed. And 
it just, I don't know. It just didn't sit well with me. But it was a good episode. <laughs> I enjoyed it. So I can't give it a 9.9 like everybody else did, unfortunately. But you know what? This is my <laughs> podcast. So I can do that. <laughs> and it's not. <laughs> okay. And guess what? It's not the first time that I've that I have been on the opposite end of everybody else, and it won't be the last. But that's cool. Um, for me, after the excellent last week's episode, I can't go. I I I can't give it better than an eight, maybe an eight point three. So there you have it. But that's what makes things so great. So we still, still have to talk heart, about. Man. That's still a really high grade. Yeah, that's still mm-hmm. good. That's still yep. good, but not 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 as good as everybody else. But uh, anyways, we're not done yet. Believe it or not, we're going to go over. But yep. this is what happens. We have Star Trek Picard assimilation to talk about still, and that was a good episode. So quick, run to the bathroom, run to the microwave. We're going to hear from Jamie, and then we're going to dive right into Star Trek Picard. Hi, this is Jamie from Check Talking, here to invite you to join us for the best sci-fi themed podcast. Our elite team of Trexperts are here to discuss Star Trek and sci-fi themed content. Call 646-668-2433 Thursday nights from 7.30 to 9.30 p.m. Eastern Coast Time. We can't wait to hear from you. Live long and prosper. And we're back. And uh, Eric, what did our Facebook fans have to say about Star Trek Picard assimilation on a scale of one to ten, with ten being the best? Yeah, we had uh, a lot of good comments on this one. Mark Newstrom gave it a nine plus. He said nearly a ten. Everything is humming intensely so far this season. Michelle Hurd and Allison Pill were outstanding in this episode. We'll see if a dead major character stays dead. Uh, good call. Uh, Sean Jr. gave it a solid 9.5. Live long and prosper. Steve Gay said 10. Max Antani gave it a 9. It's hard to wait till next week. Francois Tessier, a 10. Bob Champion, and plus. Darren Drake, a 10. Maria Savova gave it a 10 exclamation point. Loving every minute of the season so far. Earl Richard Hart gave it a 9. And Benjamin Lee Whitney gave it a solid nine. So that, uh, that averages us out to a fan score of about a 9.3. So pretty high score on that one as well. Is this the first time we've had two episodes that scored over a nine at, on the same, at the same podcast? It is I think so. the first time. Uh, it is absolutely the first time. And it's the first time that we've gotten that high of a score for discovery. Um, and, I will tell you that uh, if you remember our last couple of weeks, uh, so far people are absolutely loving Picard. Uh, episode one, our fans gave it a 9.5. Episode two, our fans gave it a 9.4. And of course, this one a 9.3. So uh, people are just bonkers over Picard right now. And, and as far as Discovery goes, if you add up all the scores that our fans gave Discovery's first 13 episodes, the average score of Discovery for Season 4 was in Coming Home, got a 9.9. So that's way above the average for that yeah. episode. Yeah. Which, wow. So let's talk, we already talked, let's talk about the creepy crawly queen scene. What That just, 
I watched this episode five times, and that scene just creeps me out when she crawls behind the boxes and she's on her on her hands and her little spine is dangling there, and she crawls over to Girardi. I was like, oh my god, she's gonna kill her. She's gonna suck her. She's gonna uh-huh. assimilate her. She's gonna do something. I was blown away with with that scene. It's it's. It's. I think it's. I think it might be better than the scene in First Contact, where the Borg Queen drops down from the ceiling with her dangly spine and sets into her legs, which was a great scene. I think this one beat that one. This one well, was it's, outstanding. It's definitely better than the Borg Queen blowing on Data's skin for sure. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you know. That was just weird. So, just so that weird. Was just weird. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. That 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 scene was great. I think. Uh, Charles touched on this earlier. The Girardi Borg Queen thing was absolutely oh. outstanding. That was top yeah. notch. I yeah, mean, I think you saw some real acting chops from Allison Pill there because the way she was able to kind of pivot between herself and the Borg the Borg Queen's consciousness and like kind of oscillating between those two and then the play between the two characters in addition to that, it was like there were five people in the scene between two actors. It was really cool. It was. I was very impressed, and, and that was something we never got to see with the Borg. You know, Locutus got assimilated, but we never got, actually saw the assimilation happen like we did here. We saw it live as she was going through her emotions and going through her brain and touching all the buttons and trying to set her off, but uh, Girardi fought back, and one of the best scenes for me is when the Borg Queen is like, well, you have to give me something, and Girardi's like, well, what do you have that we need? And uh, she's like, you better check again. <laughs> mm-hmm. And the queen is like, what have you done? And she's like, computer, play back the file. Shit, I stole from the Borg Queen. <laughs> and there's, <laughs> you know, I loved it. I just, you know, I think the character of Girardi has just come so, so far from where she was to where she is now. And I think Allison is just a, a, an outstanding actress. Phenomenal, and the way she plays off the card, and the way she played off the board queen, just outstanding, outstanding. Um, yeah, I can't say enough. What about Seven and Rafi in this episode? Yeah, they're on there. So who's funner? Who, who's funner, <laughs> Kevin or <laughs> Kevin or Steve? <laughs> well, I mean, okay. So I, here's what I'll say. I I think I think some people have criticized um, how Rafi was reacting to the next one of the next things we're going to talk about here, um, and that she was too emotional over it. But I will say that what I really enjoyed was the fact that you have one person who is absolutely freaking out about something and making really really bad decisions probably, and the person who loves them the most is like, okay, you're having a moment right now. Let's just chill out. Let's just breathe. And, and Seven kept trying to bring her back, right? She kept trying to bring her back. Wow. And, and for anybody who's been involved in a close relationship where you have a, you know, whether it's you freaking out and your partner's trying to bring you back or whether your partner's freaking out and you're trying to bring them back, it's, it's something that happens in relationships all the time. And I, li- I really liked seeing that kind of played out in this episode. I, I loved it when Rafi mugs the guy in the park. Like, yeah. <laughs> like, give me your money and she, yeah. like, punches him in the face. It just takes his gun, takes the bullets out, takes his wallet, takes out the money, 
and then seven and shows then seven, up. And then seven shows up and she's like, of course. Of course you're mugging. You know. Uh-huh. <laughs> like, or of like, course this is what we do, apparently. <laughs> when, when, when seven yeah, appears yeah. and the girl sees her and says, are you a superhero? And she winks at her and says, can you keep my secret? I just, it was a great episode all the way around. I mean, I, I, mean, I just, I thoroughly enjoyed it. And I'm like, let's talk about Elnor. Is he dead? Oh. Now, hmm. are they going to pull another one yeah. on us like they've done over and over and over again? I mean, is he dead? I think animal? he's still alive. He's time you traveling. know, <laughs> it's going to be a time travel thing. And, and when they fix the timeline, he should be back, I would assume. Or they right? pick well, him up when they're going back through time. Maybe they pick him up on the way he died. We don't know. And, and yeah. I like that Gerardi actually brings up, uh, you know, they're like, uh, Rafi's like, will he come back? And Gerardi's like, well, we don't really understand the physics of the causality loop, blah, 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 blah. I, I thought that was cool because it, it lends just a little bit of mystery to that. But effectively, I think one of the reasons they killed off Elnor was so they didn't have to do the Star Trek four, like put the headband around the guy's head so people didn't see his pointy ears, you know? Right, oh, yeah. right. Or the, or the eyebrows or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Paul, please feel free to jump in anytime you want. I have just been loving this season. Uh, absolutely <laughs> loving it. And, uh, you know, I'm, it's, it's just so strange because it's like I was not as engaged last season. There were parts of it I really liked, but, but just right out of the gate, first episode, I was like, this is more like, you know, what you expect from like feature film quality writing when the writing is really good, right? And that's, that's what I feel they're hitting right now. It's just it's terrific. Uh, Jim was talking about the Borg queen crawling around, right? There was, you know, dragging her torso. That reminded me of the end of the first Terminator, right? When it's like the, right. the endoskeleton has been ripped in half and it's still coming, right? <laughs> still trying to get Sarah Connor. I was just like, that's totally that kind of moment. But uh, it's just all kinds of little grace notes and, uh, with all the action and tight plotting, what I admire most about it is that it's just so character focused, right? Um, it's Gerardi, right? Uh, I'm saying her name right, uh, Allison Pill. Uh, yep. Yeah, fragile teacup. <laughs> yep. The board right. called her the fragile teacup. I love that. She's really amazing. Me, it's just like the, when you give her some stuff to to work with and some you know some good character work. Man, she's just all over it. She's just out of the, you know, lobster bib and a knife and fork, man. She's just tearing it up. She's really excited. I, Super excited I think, to watch tonight. I think. I think. You know what? My wife made me watch it already. I broke my own rule. She she made me oh, watch yeah. it. I don't like to watch it till after the podcast because I don't want to know because we're going to talk about things. But she made me watch it and then she made me watch the ready room. And then she dropped the bomb on me that she wants to go down to a convention and meet Leah Thompson because she directed this episode. And I was like, you didn't have to go through all that. If you wanted me to go to the convention, just ask me and we'll go. So yeah, I already saw it unfortunately, but I've been good and haven't given away anything yet. Anyways. um, What do you guys think? Did you notice there was a poster that we, we kept seeing around town for Eurospace? Did you did you notice that? Uh, did anyone notice that, or just me? No. 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 Okay. Well, there's a there's a poster on the side of the building and on the side of the bus and all through town, and it's for for this Euro uh, travel space travel company, and I, I keep thinking that that's gotta have 
have something to do with something. They, they don't put stuff like that in there for no reason. And I'm thinking that might be like a Terminator thing. Like, you know, that might be the Skynet that causes this whole thing to happen. I I could be wrong, but we'll see. I mean, but I also think, I think that Girardi is the Borg queen that we saw in the first episode. Because she's really enamored with the Borg queen. The Borg queen is getting into her head and picking her brain and, and, and partially assimilated her. And, and we've never seen a Borg queen wearing full body armor before. And the Borg ship was not your typical Borg ship. Uh, the Borg were speaking individually yet in unison, which is a new approach for the Borg. The Borg came and said they wanted to join the Federation, which again isn't a weird thing for the Borg. And I think that, that Girardi might be that future Borg queen bringing the Borg into the Federation. I could be totally wrong. We'll have to wait and see where this plays out. But um, Whoa. they wouldn't put her Mind in blown, armor. <laughs> you know? Wow. Really, why would they put her in armor and hide her face if it wasn't somebody we knew? I don't know. I don't know. But anyways, uh, let, let's move on. What do you guys think about Rios in this episode, hooking up with this female doctor and uh, getting arrested by ICE, getting deported? <laughs> I was laughing. They're going to deport him. I'm like, what? You're going to put him on a space shuttle and send him back to space? <laughs> Yo, well, they don't know. They're going to, they assume you know. he's brown skinned. He's foreigner. Come on. That's what they say. Right. Uh, yeah. I, mean, I actually, well, I mean, I, I think that was one of the most kind of like poignant things in this episode personally, because uh, mm-hmm. you, they're taking you, <laughs> we're coming at the 21st century from Picard century and we're looking back on ourselves and going, uh, it's like when Rafi says, I can't believe that there were all these dichotomies in the society and that it didn't fail sooner. Um, to me, right. that's just like, it's really just this, this season, this episode in particular is the mirror that's showing us ourselves and making us go, Ooh, is that what I want to look like? Yeah. Because, yeah. you know, we don't, like we don't, I don't carry around my birth certificate, you know. But some people have to in this yeah. day and age. So unfortunately, yeah. it happens. Yeah, yeah I, I thought, I, you know, we, he tried to help her, and it didn't work out too well. And he ends up uh-huh. getting arrested by ICE, and then he tells the officer, "Yeah, I thought it was great. It was great." So uh, mm-hmm. let me ask you this: one, what did you think about Leah Thompson's direction in this episode? Did you guys think she did a good job? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I thought she yep. did a spectacular yeah. job. Really? Yep. I mean, yeah. really, really. Yeah. <laughs> Top notch. Has she directed any other movies in the past? Um, on the Ready Room, she said that she directed some other stuff, but it was stuff that I hadn't seen, so um, I, I don't know. Uh, she, she just said she directed... Um, Star Girl, um, which I missed, but uh, yeah, yeah, no, she, I thought she did a spectacular job, just outstanding. Myself, I, I loved it. I thought she did a great, great job. And of course, um, did you guys catch the the little the little thing when Girardi says to them, "Don't go to the hospital, don't go to the police because they might scan your vaccination chips." Did you catch that? <laughs> That's right. Yeah, I thought it was. Yeah, I didn't catch that. Yeah. I thought it was something about the blood work. But yeah, 
Uh, yeah, that touched off a lot of people on our Facebook page too. Um, you know, they're going off on first. First, we got Stacey Abrams. Now we got vaccination ships. Star Trek's just too political. I'm not going to watch it anymore. I'm like, wow, that's that's all it takes. <laughs> just that's, okay. <laughs> there you have it. I mean, we know that they did. These uh, same people these, watch. Uh, did, did these same people watch The Outcast back when it was on mm. The Next Generation? Do you remember that episode? Yes. Apparently oh, yeah. they it's like season they, five. Selective memories, I guess. But um, yeah, we do know like from Deep Space Nine what Star Trek is. They do put chips. They do have the um, uh, translator in your skin. Because remember, Quark was beating on his head, and they thought he was trying to communicate because that's where they put the, the um, universal translator chip. So we know that they do put chips in you in the future. We just never heard of a vaccination chip until you know, last week's episode. So there you have it. And one thing I want to mention um, is the names of the starships. So when Rios is being chased by the starships and the queen takes over and she destroys them, the names of the three starships, we talked about the three starships that we heard in Discovery, but there's three in Picard. We have the CSS Layton, which is named after Avril Layton from Homefront and Paradise Lost. He's one of our, another one of our hated evil admirals. So I can only imagine how evil and twisted he would have been in the Confederation. We also have the CSS Dowtry, who's named after Admiral Dowtry from Star Trek Insurrection, another misguided uh, evil um, admiral. And the last one is the CSS Quinn, named after Admiral Quinn from the episode Conspiracy. Um, I don't know if he really was evil because he was taken over by a bug creature. (laughs) Yeah. Not quite as evil, but, but, still, are... but still following up on that whole theme of uh, TNG admirals not being that reliable. Right, which is why I'm glad we have Admiral Vance, you know. Yeah. And or honestly, actually we had... I, I, don't, I don't mind it. As crazy as she is, I don't mind her either. She's got, she's got some uh, moxie. <laughs> I, I did like or- Admiral Cornwall on, on the first season of Discovery, too. Wow. I thought she That's was a, a different great era. character. Different era. Yeah, well, that's, I mean, that, she's amazing. That's true. She's a different – yeah, right. But So uh, that pretty much – that was everything I wanted to mention about um, the episode, I think. Yep, that was all the notes I had. So um, what would you guys give it? My, our, score, our fans gave it a 9.3. So uh, why don't we start off with Paul? He, he's, he's our, our newcomer, so let's put him on the spot. What do you think, Paul? One I love ten. the spot. The spot is, is uh, you know, it's, the spot's comfortable. I like the spot. <laughs> <laughs> I got to give it a 10. I'm sorry. We're not confusing a lot of cat, are we? It's, uh, not it's, spot the cat. Yeah, I'm holding it up, I think, my reactions to comparing them to, like, the first season. And I just think that they, you know, you picture a writer's room and people getting together and mapping out a season. And it just feels to me like they just mapped everything down I mean, even though we've only seen like three, <laughs> but some of us have seen four, right, Jim? Uh, yeah, but, uh, and I'm biting my tongue. I'm, I'm, I'm doing good. I haven't slipped off one yet. Great, I almost man. did. I almost did. You're just doing a great. Ago, you haven't, you haven't let us even see one of your cards. It's been amazing. No, I stopped I myself. I was good. Out, uh, 
checked it out like a Swiss watch, it feels like, right? I mean, I just feel like it's like you have the whole thing with um, – a good example would be you were talking about the clinic, right, and the female doctor, and Rios is in there and everything, and there's a whole bit with him being spirited away and facing deportation. But then you, you don't just do that. They, On top of that, they do this whole thing with him, you know, accidentally losing his communicator at the same time. So you have those two elements right up alongside each other, right, the plot element of the missing communicator and the character element of what's going to happen and how do I relate to this new person I'm having feelings for. So really solid. It's just, it's, I just feel like the writing is so strong on that show this year. I'm, I'm super excited for each new episode, and it really reflects in the cast, man, in terms of you can see them excited to be going in here. So I'm unabashed 10 for me. I, I just think they're doing a wonderful job. And I think it's, Eric, you can correct me if I'm wrong here, but I think this is the first time that we've had three consecutive episodes all score above nine yeah, since we've been doing it. Of, of any show that we've ever reviewed, it's the first time we've had three in a row that are all nine plus, yes. It's never happened. So Picard is firing on all thrusters here, which is rare for Star Trek these days, but it's doing it. So Shannon, how about you? One to ten. It's a nine, which is really low for Picard for me. Um, but it's because I've never liked Gerardi because I didn't like her last season because, you know, she killed somebody and doesn't have any consequences. And it's also part of it is I'm having, like, heebie-jeebies about her emerging with the queen because that just freaks me out. So I probably would give it a higher score if that part wasn't in there, if I knew she wasn't going to assimilate at some point. And we'll have to wait and see. That was just my theory. I could be totally wrong about no, that. No, I, I mean, I think that's every time they're in the same space, that looks like that's coming. Yeah, she's the, the board queen is kind of giving her the, the stink eye there. I think something's going on. We'll have to wait and mm-hmm. see. But I love that board queen. That that actress they got to play the board queen. Oh, my God. Mm-hmm. Hanging up there on the wall. They're like a spider. She's all creepy and <laughs> giving you the, the, the look. Yep. I'm like, oh. God, is that creepy? Creep me right out. Uh-huh. So uh, doesn't even have legs yeah. to go after you. She just crawls after you. Yeah, she crawls after you like like an arachnid. Yeah. So uh, yes, David, yeah. how and about she's you? Wearing, like black <laughs> black eyed contact lenses. Still uh, able to convey such emotion. Detail. Didn't the queen and and uh and the first contact? Didn't she come down with just from her shoulders up? Yeah. Yeah. Not have any arms. Yes, but she didn't. She didn't walk on her on her hands, though. <laughs> I know. I was just wondering, uh, what's the difference between the boy queen there and this one? Well, well I think uh, the question is that we don't really know because honestly, we've seen at least three different board queens, and we're not sure if it's a single queen or if there are multiple queens. Uh, you know, we we don't really know the answer to that question. I don't think. Yeah, but but mm. I, I think what you're I think that um, the the similarities between their appearances they're extremely similar. They they both have no legs. They both just have a little dangling silver spine uh, type of a deal, and that's uh, very similar to what we saw in First Contact. Not not exactly the same, but close enough to make the the you know the connection. And that's something else I wanted to that I I forgot to mention. I love the music. Uh, Russo, Jeff Russo, did a fantastic job with the music in this episode. 
If you notice, when the Borg Queen was doing her little scurrying on the floor deal, they played the, the Borg Queen theme song from Star Trek First Contact, which immediately brings you right to Borg. I, I thought it was an outstanding way to use music in that episode. So, anyway, sorry to interrupt you, uh, David. So, what, what, what were you on? One to ten. Me? Yeah, what do you think? Um, yeah, I actually am kind of excited about Picard with this season. It's kind of getting a little interesting, and um, I'm actually thinking I'm going to give this about a 9.8. 9.8. Wow. Right there with our fans. Yep. How about how about you, Charles? Well, it's around a 9, 9.2. I just want to see what they're going to take this story, but they got a good good start in it, but I want to see so, what they do with it. Charles, are you going to watch tonight's episode after the podcast, or are you going to watch it tomorrow? I'm watching it after the podcast. All right. Yep. Well, I got to tell you this. Me and my wife and my daughter were watching it, and there's this one scene where we went apeshit crazy, and I thought about you right away. And there's a scene in tonight's episode that screams Charles, and you'll know it when you see it, and that's all <laughs> I'm going to say. All right. Eric, what do you think? One to ten. Well, uh, guys, I guess I'm going to be the Nate on this one. Uh, I <laughs> enjoyed this episode quite a bit, um, but uh, I'm uh, – God, they had to go back to the Star Trek Four slash TOS, go around the sun to get back in time. Okay, so that's been recycled again. Uh, there's been a couple other things that were recycled in this episode that are very reminiscent of past episodes of TOS. Um, I think overall, I really like the writing here, but there's, um, it feels a little disjointed to me, and I guess I want to see how it all flushes out. So I, what I'll say is I liked the season opener the best. I gave you my score last week, which was the lowest one that I've given up a card so far. I'm going to up it from last week. So I'm going to give this week an 8.6. It was really good, but it did not knock my socks off. Not an 8.675309? Well, Jenny's had her say, (laughs) so I don't need to give her anymore. No, no, Jenny. No, Girardi. No, Jenny. No, Jenny. <laughs> Girardi, we've got your and I'm number. And yeah. I'm kind of with Shannon on Girardi. Like, I, I, her mm-hmm. acting skills are amazing, but the way that they write her as a dumb blonde sometimes, sometimes bothers me. It's like she's either a dumb blonde or she's the smartest person in the room, and I can't figure out what they're right. trying to do with her. So, Well, the Borg Queen makes a comment about that. The Borg Queen kind of uh, mentions that. So that, yeah. you know... Why I mean, that? it's her defense mechanism, and I think that they're going like, right. to keep ex- exploring her character a little bit more around that. It's just that they're not quite there. And whereas last week was a total setup episode that didn't have a lot of content, it was just kind of like, oh, here's where we're going. We probably should have been the second part of the, you know, two-part opener that we should have done. This week at least kind of advances the story some more. And I really like the Rio story. That's the one that actually is the most interesting to me. I want to see where that goes. Yeah, I you know what I I I love this episode and uh, I'm, I'm gonna go with a nine point five, maybe nine point six on this one. I loved it and you know when I come home from work and my wife and daughter are waiting to watch Star Trek, how much better than that can you be? I mean, really. Awesome. Um, you know they made me watch it and 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 
It's like, I don't want to watch it till tomorrow, but they were waiting for me to come home to watch Star Trek with me. How could I say no? And, uh, you know, when my wife and daughter are excited about the same thing that I'm excited about, how can I lose? That's a win-win. And then my wife hits me up with, we're going to go to a convention to meet Leah Thompson. How can I lose? <laughs> you know? So, yeah, I, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. Well, guys, guess what? We We went over a bit, but Hey, it happens sometimes, you know, we have these double headers and that happens, but I think everything went pretty well. I think everything moved right along. I think we hit on a lot of important topics and I think we had a great show. So um, I definitely, I want to remind you guys that on April 7th, we're going to have a Star Trek, the motion picture extravaganza. We're going to be talking about the new 4k uh, edition, which is going to be on Paramount plus we're going to have Philo Barnhart, who was one of the original graphic artists on the motion picture who hand-painted Viger frame by frame. He's going to be with us to talk about what it was like to work on the motion picture and what he thinks about what they've done to it digitally. So you don't want to miss that show. We're also going to have an extra from Star Trek, the motion picture, who was in some scenes with Leonard Nimoy and was on the set with, uh, with Robert Wise for Star Trek, the motion picture. She's going to talk to us about what it was like to be involved in the first Star Trek motion picture. So you guys, if you're in the motion picture, you don't want to miss that show. So that'll be on the 7th. I want to take this opportunity to say thank you so much to Paul for hanging out and joining us live tonight instead of via our pre-recorded segment. So thank you for hanging out with us, Paul. Thanks, Admiral. It was my great pleasure to get a chance to hang out. Like I said, I felt like I landed in a Oasis of sanity and uh, wonderful good <laughs> thoughts. So a pleasure to be part of this conversation. And we always have a chair at our table for you anytime you want to join us. Every Thursday night, we're here. So keep that in mind. Sweet. I also want to say thank you so much to Shannon for hanging out and Trek talking with us. Thank you so much, Shannon. I love to be here. I can't be off on, on as much as I was before, but I'll be here as often as I can. <laughs> and, and again, we always have, there's always room for you at our truck talking table. So anytime you can make it, we're happy to have you. And also thank you so much to David for hanging out and truck talking with us. Thank you, David. Yeah, that was fun. Thanks for having me. And of course I couldn't do truck talking without my truck spur. So thank you so much to Charles for hanging out with truck talking with us. Thank you, Charles. Oh, thank you. Just so much truck to talk about right now. It makes Thursdays an awesome day of the week, doesn't it? Yeah, it's a good way to start your weekend. Start your weekend off with truck talk, and tomorrow's Friday. You can coast into the weekend. So uh, thank you so much. And, of course, last but not least, thank you so much to Eric for hanging out and truck talking with us tonight. Thank you, Eric. You better believe it, guys. And as Charles always says, uh, T-G-I-T-T-T. Thank goodness That's right. Trek Talking Thursday. <laughs> That's right. Trek Talking Thursday. And you know what? That's just a stroke of luck that, that uh, Paramount decided to put all the new Star Trek shows on Thursday night. It's almost as if they knew that Trek Talking was on Thursday. You started the whole thing. Positive. You know, That's why they do it. It's all our fault. So yeah. anyways, guys, mm-hmm. I'm your most excellent host, Uncle Jim. And I want to say thank you to each and every one of you guys and let you know that we're here live every Thursday night from 7.30 to 9.30, sometimes a little longer like tonight. Our phone number is 646-668-2433. We welcome you to call us and share your thoughts and share your opinions with us. 
We'd love to hear from you guys. Head over to our Facebook page at Trek Talking and beyond. Give us a like. Give us a follow. Tell us where you're listening from, and maybe you'll hear your name mentioned on a future fan shout-out. So without any further ado, I want to say to everybody, please stay safe and be good to each other. Hailing frequencies are closed. Good night, everybody. Night, y'all. Good night, all. Let's see what's out there. Engage. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.